0: And hello, ladies and gentlemen, my name's is I'm to episode four of my Retro Review Series, where I look back at a certain year of wrestling history and watch all their pay-per-views from top to bottom. Uh, last time he left us, he just came back from watching uh, the disappointing WrestleMania 2000 with my old uni friend and big uh, wrestling lover, uh, Kyle Dixon. Uh, sorry, I've been a bit away since then. Um, it's been, as you can guess, 2020 is going to be a bit of a crazy year. So um, it's been trying to find time to kind of start it all up again. But, um, but yeah, we're back. Obviously, I hope you had an awesome Christmas. So, um, yeah, to sort of end of the year on a high and talk about something positive instead of all kind of negative stuff we've got going on at the moment, and I'm going to be talking about Backlash 2000. Some people considered one of the greatest pay per views WWE have ever produced. And obviously, had a returning Stone Cold Steve Austin in the corner of The Rock to go against Triple H. So, all kinds of stuff that's meant before. It's going to be awesome to talk about it. Um, hope you enjoy and that's going to get stuck right into it. So, hit to the music. So, for the benefit of those with flash photography, <laughs> I told you, get your camera! we have a brand new pose just for you. What is your name? Your it button. doesn't matter what your name is! You're fired! Then oldster 316 says, I just ripped your ass! Welcome to Raw is Jericho! And that's the bottom line, the Stone Cold Center. So yes, yeah, that's get stuck right into talking about this. Uh, obviously Backlash 2000. Um, it's an interesting pay per view. Uh, as I said, it's kind of remembered for Stone Cold Steve Austin's kind of return being in the rock's corner against Triple H, who had uh was it Vincent Mann in one in, in the corner and Stephanie Mann, obviously as yeah, Shane as the ref, so the stats against him, but Stone Cold is like two men. So that was a kind of big hook for this pay view, if you look if you look back. But again, it has some cool stuff. I mean, it, it, in some ways, it had some filler, kind of like you know, in between kind of feuds that go into that lead it up to the kind of big ones that we all remember from the year two thousand. So, but yeah, obviously had um, had the D Malenko kind of um Too Hoty kind of match that I've heard great things about over the years and watched um, it once twice myself over the years and still holds up as a very very underrated kind of match between two relatively unknowns in the grand scheme of um, the Attitude Era. Uh, but yeah, obviously we had obviously had the weird feud between the Dudleys and um, the um, TNA, not to the company, but the actual thing with um, Albert Tess and Trish Drass, um being uh, She was a valet before she became this kind of wrestling legend that she was. Uh, she turned it in women's division anyway. But um, yeah, it's a it's of these things. It's got it's got the marquee thing that everyone remembers, but it's like it's got hidden gems in it as well. That kind of and really good, solid matchups that really work, personally. So, it was a very, yeah, it was going into, got to be honest, going I've never watched this. I was never, I didn't watch wrestling until like 2000, late 2000, early 2001. So, I was behind the times a lot. So, watching this is kind of like watching it for the first time. So, it's really fun, got to be honest. Um, especially when it's like, I hear all these things all the years, but finally have the time to kind of look back at this era. This great era in wrestling. And kind of um and kind of um this kind of series is kind of as I said before, is was kind of come across as a kind of weekend of my love for wrestling. It kind of remind me why I love this and why I keep making much a lot of content on it. Um uh, but obviously we have the obviously this year's been great for two thousand two thousand twenty twenty I mean, when it comes to wrestling in, in my opinion. But obviously we'll get to that with my my kind of other podcast I do with my mate Josh, where we talk about that, so that'll be in the next couple of days, but that's fine, uh, but um, yeah, it's gonna be. It was just. It's just fun to watch this. Um, but yeah, obviously, this pay per view was kind of at the MCI cent MCI center in Washington DC. They've done many jokes about it being in the capital. Very annoying, but you know, it's uh, obviously a lot of the jokes go over my head because I'm not American. So and I wasn't really around then. So my politics knowledge is not good as was that is better now than obviously it was. Back then, so, but yeah, obviously it was on the 30th of April 2000, with attendance of 19,101, with obviously the legendary, was we know them all, of Jerry the King Laura, and good old JR Jim Ross. So, yeah, it's, it's one of those pay that kind of basically... Yeah, it's going to be a member for that, but it has some good matches going into it. So, yeah, let's go dive straight into it. So, yeah, they kicked it off by with the WWF Tag Team Champions defending their titles against with Edge and Christian going against D-Generation X, not BD Gunn, and Road Dogg. It is BD Gunn's being kicked out of the group at this point. Uh, obviously, I think he was injured, so they finally have to write him off storyline rise at this point. But the crime of it was so random in the sense that one minute they liked him and then all of a sudden he kind of stood up to, like, I think, you know stood up to them of like in the backstage and then all of a sudden they just kicked him out of the group so randomly it was weird i wish there would have been a bit more build to it but i guess sometimes in wrestling he just got basically just get chucked out of the group it was very strange if you watch it back it was very weird just all of a sudden they just turn on him chuck him out of the dressing room and i saw him again so this degeneration x is not um road dog is by he's now got a new partner x puck that's now going to be his partner uh, with that, well, to be fair, that called cool, you kind of like rap, kind of degeneration X kind of theme that was going through most of the two thousands. I think cause they had the. Um, it's kind of um, like I like with the kind of thing with WWF is that they had like obviously they made these like rap albums or like kind of Reimagined you know their themes and kind of like new versions of them. Uh, but they didn't just like play the CD. They actually put them out on TV, so it's like you you know see them with it. So you might be more inclined to buy the CD. Um, you just wouldn't dare do that now, WWE, anyway. So um, yeah, so yeah, so that so so obviously a Degeneration X is kind of near the tail end at this point. So it was kind of I don't know if it was like a last gasp because obviously it's this dude kind of run the company. It's kind of like the end of this kind of thing at this point. So so but it's obviously kind of started. It, I remember watching it back. It's like when watching it because I watched the week to weeks. With this, um, I watched like Raw Smackdown going into this, so I can get a better um, kind of gauge what's going on But um, at that time, so it's more fun and it's more interesting to talk about. But, um, yeah, I think it just it started from a backstage kind of um, attack, really, and kind of said, or oh, just like a simple we want our titles back. That's a bit annoying, but sometimes in wrestling, it doesn't have to be anything too convoluted to start feuding, so it's fine. But, um, yeah, obviously at this point, Edging Christian was kind of, they still had the kind of, I don't know if, um, what, Deborah. Was still kind of because she kind of turned heel. I think Western May two thousand. I remember, and she kind of like kept um, on the. Well, I think it was was it Dudley's? No, she turned heel on the Hardies. Now I remember. So it's kind of a situation now is she's trying to, she kept, you know, egging on Eddie, Edging Christian. If you know what I mean, like kind of hanging around with them, trying to help them out, uh, but they did not need that need her help. Um, yeah, she came out here with announcing their names, um, like doing a special announcement type thing. Very, she sounded like she was drunk. She didn't sound great. That, that, I think it's with debut So like, what can you do with her? <laughs> she's like very beautiful woman, but it's like she put her on like announcing very not very good. No one can beat Lillian Garcia, let's be honest. <laughs> but yeah, it was very awkward. But um yeah, obviously it's just it was on these tag team matches that just like it was fine. I mean, a lot of people kind of like enjoy these kind of openers. It was the great thing about the action there is was like a lot of stuff that was kind of good or okay was like probably l- was great because the fans were into anything at this point they're like we're talking about like they were so into the product that you know groups that you know wouldn't or like kind of things that never get over at normal times totally got over because they're just so invested in this company and so invested in this era it's it's kind of every time i keep watching these pay views i'm so i'm shocked i'm shocked it's crazy it's crazy how um how hot the crowd was, but um, yeah, obviously this, this match was kind of like you weren't expecting like a high flying kind of it slow paced uh, uh than it normally is. Kind of never really got going into kind of near the end, really. Um, obviously we had a lot of blind tags that seems to be a theme going through the whole of this, like right? incompetent refereeing. Uh, yes, obviously we had a bit with the blind tag with the ref didn't see um kind of um the uh, the tag between um was it Edge, tagging uh, was it Christian tagging Edge. And basically, it was a situation where x back they took full advantage, as you expect, with a Bronco Buster in the corner. But, uh, yep, yeah, Edge, obviously, the funny thing about Edge and Christian, they are kind of going through like a transition from being kind of heels. They're not fully heel yet, but they're kind of getting there. So, it's like a situation where, that like, you've got two heel teams at this point. It's really weird. It's like, obviously, DX are heels, but they were kind of playing them up as kind of faces, I think. And then, obviously, Edge and Christian were kind of faces, but they were acting a bit dickish. So it's like it's a weird setup, if you know what I mean. But but yeah, it's basically both of the teams were trying to um utilize the kind of ref being not seeing anything from both sides. Obviously, you had the blind tag we just talked about. But then you obviously see another tag from um on you know kind of um on X Pack was it? World Dog trying to get X didn't see it, and you got Edge doing like a headbutt from the top rope on it on World Dog. It was kind of crazy. Um, when you think about it it's like, So they're both trying to Out cheat each other But yeah It's just kind of One of these matches That kind of just Yeah Had some cool stuff He had a, like a spear From Edge and Road Dog uh he had the bit Where obviously he had Toy was on the, on the apron Kind of being there Kind of being distractions Kind of what she was He um, had the bit Where was obviously Expat was punching Punched Toy by accident By knocking her off the apron uh, This distraction Kind of um, Road Dog was kind of when in went for Like a clothesline on Christian uh, To the floor Kind of like that kind of stuff You know And and the ref was looking, uh, look at them. X puck now the X Factor for behind. Uh, you'd think that at the end of the match, but no. Uh, so it's like they're both. It's in. It's both trying to kind of out cheat each other. You know, utilize the both heels. They're kind of, sort of. They're kind of both utilizing stuff like you know when the referee's behind. You know, get a, get an advantage in any way you can. But um, it seems like it, it seems like a situation here was like uh, Edge and Christian out sh- out fought. D- D- the X here with obviously when the ref was gening a um World Dog and Tori on the apron, um was it Christian, kind of went to get a ring bell of all things um, and then pretty much nailed him ex pack in in the you know in the face and it basically like he was bleeding like a stuffed pig. You know? It's like he was literally bleeding. It's like I kinda of like that in the Attitude era where it's kind of that thing where the people not everything's got you kinda of bleed like when the big angs we also bleed in the sense of just in random tag team matches. That's how brutal the kind of error is. Um, I, I miss that in some ways. Because obviously not having blood in wrestling is... I'm not saying I want it all the time. But some matches... I think they did use it a bit too often maybe in this era. But I think it's a thing that's really lacking in wrestling. Because some feuds just need it to take it to another level. To make it a bit more intense. That like Some stories need that intensity. So, like for example, like... I don't know, like... Like maybe a Bray Wyatt, the the Fiend, Randy Orton, that might need a bit of blood. So it's a bit like really intense, but obviously, but um, yeah, obviously hitting with the ring bell. Um, Yep, and um, got the win. Uh, There was controversy as obviously Christian was not the legal man, Edge was. So the ref was just probably the incompetence of the ref continuously continues where he just didn't really know what's going on. (laughs) Too much. I guess when you've got two teams trying to distract and kind of cause any advantage, you can't keep up with everything. But I guess they kind of um, made it a thing during the show about refs, blind tags, not seeing anything. I don't know if that was something to do in the main event. I don't know if it's just like subtling that the referees are bad. I don't know, but it kind of ended up. It was like what in that nine minutes of a match? Fine. I thought it was quite good. It's again, it's nothing like you not It's not going to be like the highlight wheels. It's not going to be crazy. But again, like, I always think that when it comes to starting off a show, you always start off with tag team divisions or your best workers. So if it wasn't this, uh, they could have—they probably would have chose Benoit and Jericho because the, them two at the time were the kind of best workers. So that's what I would have gone by. But yeah, tag team, tag team titles on the line, first match. Edge and Christian um, after this is kind of building up the kind of heel because obviously they cheat to win. So at this point, it looks like they're kind of, we haven't got to the full kind of Edge and Christian kind of, you know, um, you know, get out your flash photography, like that kind of, you know, kind of um, freeze frame, kind of what we know and love of Edge and Christian during this era yet. But we're getting there. We're slowly getting there. So I can't. I honestly, the great thing about watching this back is like, it's like seeing the development of these, kind of what you remember they actually have for, or the best moments of it. And this is it, like seeing the emergence of Edge and Christian has, could be considered one of the greatest tag teams of all time. That's amazing. Uh, when it comes to this, uh, when it comes to DX, it kind of is like at some point I think after that couple of months they kind of disbanded. World Dog didn't we really do much? X Pac, but you well, think at some point had his own division, um, had his own team, not uh, not a memorable team, but a team nonetheless, and kind of went um, his own way. But yes, yeah, kind of the this this kind of shows the beginning of the end of the kind of DX as a faction um, at this point. Obviously, with we said Biddy Guns out for a bit, and obviously X Pac do his thing as I said, but. Yeah, I still, I said, I'm still trying to find the X-Pac heat because the joke is on wrestling. It's like, oh, you know, you don't want x pack heat. I don't know if that hasn't materialized yet. I don't know if it's a thing that turns up, you know, in the summer of 2000 or like near the end. Maybe when he was going round, you know, with that, it was the X-Factor. I think it's called the X-Factor of the team, I remember? So I don't know, but it's interesting. But yeah, so obviously Edge and Christian get the win. Obviously, I think they got. Think they go against the Dudleys. Or Was it the Hardys? I think it was the Hardys. But um, yeah, again, it's like this feud for me. As I said, it's like a stopgap. Like you know, they faced um, they faced them all at WrestleMania 2000. Can't be. You don't want to do. You know, face them again. Kind of get stale. So they're kind of keeping them apart for like maybe a pay per view or a couple of maps. So um, it does. It feels fresh that I like. So. Um, it looks like, well, obviously, we're getting near this kind of summer end. And, and, you know, that's when it started to really heat up. No pun intended. So, yeah. Good. Um, I get verdict to give it a 3 out of 5. Solid batch. The crowd were definitely into it, nearly. Kind of, um, we've put Edge and Christian a bit more. Um, but, um, yeah. It's good. Good stuff. I liked it. I kind of um, like... Uh, a <laughs> bit. It's a bit messy near the end, but, you know, it's just, uh, edu- you know, basically, they're both out-cheating each other. And DX were on the wrong end of out-cheating. So... It's about time, because they always cheat, so, you know, it's one of those things, but, yeah, so, awesome, awesome match to kick off the show. So, uh, yeah, and obviously after that, we had the match that I was talking about, I've been told about for many years, um, and many books that I've read about wrestling. Obviously, I'm talking about um, Dean Malenko going against Scotty Two Hotty for the WWE Light Heavyweight Championship, uh, that Dean Malenko just won back on the SmackDown prior to the show, by shenanigans. So yeah. Um it was a weird thing. I think at this point I think it was can't remember who had the light heavy championship, but obviously Di Malinko won it. Um then he kind of lost it to Scotty Hoy and then just won it back here as I said. So it was kind of um the light heavy divisions is a very interesting thing to talk about. I'll probably bring it up near the end to of kinda of talking about this bit, bit but it was a very forgettable division, to be honest. But I've kind of i got a kind of theories of why it was. Uh, but yeah, obviously one thing I just want to point out, they kind of brought up, not doing the match, but kind of keep forgetting obviously, is that um, yeah, this was, on Chan- this was live on Channel 4 for free at 1pm in the UK. Um, I didn't know this because again, I wasn't watching wrestling at this point. That's kind of like, again, I, I always turn up late to the party and I always turn up late when it comes to watching the single most greatest errors in wrestling history and I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what it was about at this point. Shows me, I'm always oblivious, but it's um, <laughs> where I am. But um, yeah, it's it, it just boggles your mind now, especially with the Sky box office, um, streaming networks like W Network, and obviously streaming and all that. It's just the idea that you can watch Channel Four and watch a pay per view like this for free, is just baffling to me. It just it feels like a different time, uh, a different era. I would say it's just weird. I know it's not do. It's just very strange, but it's uh, pretty cool. Obviously, the worst thing I bought that back, but again, there's no money in it. And um, wrestling has changed uh, when it comes to, it's more global, in the sense that um, everything that felt so far away is now very, very connected with the internet and kind of so- social media and stuff, so giving away this kind of thing for free on terrestrial TV just doesn't work anymore. Wish it did, because then I don't have to <laughs> don't have to pay to watch it. It would be nice, you know, any free wrestling is free wrestling, eh? So, it's all cool. Uh, but yeah, again, this um, But yeah, this kind of grinds this match, you kind of think, okay, the like heavyweight division wasn't exactly, you know, the most heated or the greatest division. But again, now and then it did produce some gems when they kind of utilised what it is that's pretty much as we know is like kind of the opposite of what the cruiserweight division was in WCW that we all know was producing some of the great wrestling matches that kind of was a good thing one of the good things that WCW did do was the cruiserweight division. But um yeah, but this is one of the I've always heard great things about this match and it didn't disappoint. Again, it was just a good it was um good pace, you had a guy Um, The kind of connection, the kind of like they flowed very well this match. I kind of of like they're both working on the strength, obviously. We all talk about Dean Malenko as kind of like, you know, he's not, he he wasn't exactly like the most Mr. Personality, but my God, the guy was a technical genius when it comes to being in-wing action. And um, this match, I think, typifies like kind of why he, um, how good he was. Because, again, not if I was watching WCW and his great feud with Chris Jericho for the Cruiserweight. I mean, he's beloved in WCW. Uh, especially with, um, I think it was watching, I think it was Jericho against Dean Malenco kind of thing. And, yeah, it was kind of that one of those things that, yeah, you, see, you forget how good he was and how respected he is, kind of Dean Malenco. Uh He doesn't get the love he deserves, I've got to be honest. Um, I wish he got a bit more, because obviously this match kind of proves how good he could be. If you just give him, what was Alan, to gives like 12, 13 minutes, with someone, that's kind of the opposite, and kind of works for his style, with um, Scottie Duhoy. again, we all know, he's kind of more a tag wrestler, whether too cool, but obviously at this point, obviously, we had, um, Grandmaster Sex A, um, taken out by the Big Show, so he's out for a couple of weeks, um, storyline-wise, anyway, I think it was just out for a leg injury, I think, or maybe like that. But, um, yeah, he was out, so it was this situation where, what can he do? So he went for a singles push, and, got to be honest, you forget, oh, like, Pop again, same thing, I've probably said a thousand times for this broadcast, you know, how popular Scotty Too Hot he was, you know, and um, how big, like, you know, most wrestlers are, but, like, it's one of the things when it went wrestling, it's like, technically, you know, it worked, it's like, they worked on both strengths, you know, Dean... Dean Malenko was the kind of technical, kind of ground and pound, kind of technical submission expert. Dean Malenko gone against the kind of speed and kind of speed of Scottie Hoy. It kind of works. It's kind of, was it brains versus speed kind of matchup. And, yeah, it seems to be like obviously the match was kind of Dean working on the leg. Made sense. I mean, come on. I mean, obviously, if you're hitting the worm, kind of the leg is the kind of like when he does the... You know the dance of the worm. It's kind of what his main thing. So makes sense. But um, yeah, I'm kind of um, again I'm kind of talking about this and kind of not nailing how good this match is. It really is. it's, it's got good um, narrative structure. It's very simple in the sense. You know, one guy's technically gifted, working on a leg, and it's just it got better and better for the match going along. If it's it might not be like the greatest story, but it's one of the best like heavyweight championship matches they had, and they didn't have a lot of them. Um, sadly, but again, we're kind of going to it, we had a cool thing where, obviously at some point, obviously nailed a backbreaker, by Dean Malenko, but Scotty, try- and where with Scotty trying to fight, fight it off, Scotty finally nailed the, the bulldog, that leads to that huge reaction he gets from, hitting the worm, I'm sure this is the first time I've seen him, during these times watching this era. that this is around about the time, when he was starting to do the, O W O R M. yeah, kind of when like, you know, when he was doing the, hop bit, I don't kind of describe it, you know, when he's hopping, and he's doing the W-O-R-M. Kind of like getting the crowd involved. I think that's the first time he kind of did it. I might be wrong. But um, but yeah, it's just, it's... Again, that's why, like I said, with Ed and Christian, it's like, watching me back is awesome. Because it's like, it's great to see the emergencies. What is so fulfilling is that you know where... It's like this thing in wrestling. Where you know when you're going back, you know where they're going to go. So it's fascinating to look back because then you can see the emergence of a star so it's like, it's like Paul Heyman once said it's like it's like that thing where why he kept during the, his era he kind of came up with saying like, oh these are future Hall of Famers or future champions and apparently in like an interview Vince was like oh why are you saying that because in wrestling it's like imagine if you sit there and say a star like a youngster is going to be, he's going to be a world champion one day it's like you feel like honoured that you're what you're watching this show and you're seeing the emergence of this great star from ground up working your way up. It's it's very fulfilling. It's the same in football sometimes or soccer if you're American um, where it's just like you see a young player that's from like 18, 19 coming to the score, do great, and then you're watching that player develop into... Maybe it might turn into one of the greatest players of all time. It turns into, it feels It feels more like rewarding seeing that. And it's the same here, kind of watching The Worm you know, it's like you know, it's going to turn into this big thing in this era, and it's great to see it develop into something. You know, it's it's a very feeling, seriously. It really is definitely. If you've got the network, go back and watch War and Smackdown from the 2000s from the beginning, and obviously, definitely watch these pay-per-views because it's just so refreshing to watch this kind of emergence. You could just watch the pay-per-views, but watching just always building up to it is so much more rewarding. I would definitely suggest it, but yeah, obviously, you got the hit the worm. Uh, that was great, Also, uh, you got the thing with the Dimilinko trying to put it, do the old cheating, kind of put his foot on the ropes, it's kind of, you know, don't see that much these days, heels don't do that as much as he should, because the refs will either become too clever, or they just ha- don't use that spot enough, but yeah, obviously the ref caught him, tried it again, we got a sweet kind of like Liger Bomb, it's kind of like, um, I think we've seen it, if you're watching enough in New Japan, you know what a Liger Bomb is, but it's basically like he he hooks him up in the kind of what Triple H just kind of hooks him up and then spins him round and hits him in a powerbomb position. It's freaking awesome. Uh, but, I mean, if you watched... Um, was it not not this episode of Dynamite? Last episode of Dynamite? I think it was... Uh, Big Swole did the same thing. Like a bomb. It's such a cool move. I like it. But... Um, yeah, well, I said it said here, kind of, I bring that before. It's like it's a perfect example when you put a great technical wrestler against a very good babyface. When it's kind of like the kind of moves when you got like holds that if you don't care is very boring, but it's obviously the fans really cared about. Kind of um, Scott Di Ho and really was invested in him, so it's like the comeback was very fulfilling. If you know what I mean, it's like he was a good babyface because he's very, it he was entertaining as hell, and you wanted him to win. So. And obviously you got screwed the week prior with obviously getting cheated. So if you look at it by storyline wise, um you want him to win it back. I personally did it because I like Dean. I'm a I'm a sucker for heels. I always have been when I was growing up. Everyone kept saying that, you know, it's like they always brought up like, oh, you know, who's your favorite wrestler? And I, I think when I was at school one time during the air, it was like JBL. And I was like JBL, and everyone looked at you. My mate, if someone looked at me and went, what? So yeah, I like heels. My favorite wrestler, of my, one of my favorite wrestlers, of all time is Edge, the single most greatest heels of all time with the ultimate opportunist so i'm a, I'm a sucker for heels so i probably would have been dean malinko back in this day well maybe i wouldn't i don't know but um anyway side tracking but um yeah as i said before it's kind of what i want to talk about is that kind of one two, two things at the end of this match is really cool well when i say two things i mean one thing when it comes to the match but two things i want to talk about my god i'm all over the place in this podcast but um, what i mean is the kind of situation obviously that that ending with um, obviously it's kind of remembered for this match really kind of with the thing we've got Dean Malenko going from the top and kind of looked like he was going to do a suplex but Scott Hill kind of trying to counter it but then because Malenko kind of being innovative kind of improv kind of turned it into a DDT from the top rope it looks freaking awesome I've got to be honest it is a great finish it's one of those things It's one thing I appreciate more than technical wrestling kind of masterpieces in wrestling or like technical wrestling kind of matches that have like kind of good slow build storylines I respect a very very high impact awesome finish and this is definitely one of them you got D D Malenko um, defending his title it's one of these where things where the heels actually back up what they say Scott too hot he had his one, but obviously at this point I think um, he had his time it was just to keep him busy into obviously because then kind of um, Grandmaster A came back from his injury and yeah and um, they kind of he done his thing and obviously Dean Malenko has still got the title and he did his thing but I kind of liked it it was kind of a story that kind of kept Scott Hoy proved that he's more than just a gimmick um, Yeah, so you can, he's pretty decent in the ring that I kind of like and Dean Malenko just shows how great technically gifted he is and that finish was beautiful um, I, I, I'm getting it a 3 out of 5 but I'm tempted to change it to 4 I think that's just really really good match for members really good in a sense it just, yeah I loved it Again, it's kind of, again, it needs to be seen to be believed in this match. I would say go out and see this match. It's, I remember getting a 101 matches you forgot were good. Or kind of a book I used to get, and it was one of the ones we come still. and it's really good. It's one of those hidden gems in wrestling that you sometimes find if you watch Go Through an Error. It's really cool. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to talk about that, well, I kind of have talked about it, so I'm just kind of all over the place at the moment, but um, yeah yeah. Um, but the thing, other thing I want to kind of talk about is, like, why if you got one of these good matches in, like, heavyweight division, why wasn't it just, like, why didn't it pick up? If you know what I mean? Why didn't it pick up like, you know, the cruiserweight division did um, in WCW? It's kind of why this, like, heavyweight division exists. But looking back at it and kind of had the thoughts on it, I think the reason it kind of didn't work is because um, it kind of defeated the purpose of what WCW used it for. It was kind of... WCW kind of used it as, like, the high flyers, the, you know, cruiserweight level kind of thing, doing all the high-flying stuff and all the kind of spectacular stuff that we all know and love. Uh, the kind of wrestlers that are in that division, obviously you said, you know, obviously Dean Malenko, obviously you said this, that's one. Obviously you had, uh, what was it, Chris Jericho, Chris Benoit, Eddie Guerrero, all those ones, you know, all those ones in that division. They were kind of in that situation where they, kind of, they put them in a higher up on the card. They were trying to make it a mission to use them um, or higher up on different divisions than other than using them in what they've been using in WCW. That's why they left, because they were like, just pigeonholed as cruiserweights and not really moving up the card in any way. So if you take that away, who is in this division? Obviously, Jeff Hardy wins the title at some point stick it in there, but again he's a tag team wrestler. Scotty Too Hotty is kind of again another tag team wrestler, shoot horn into a kind of division. Really have anything really. I think S. A. Rios we'll talk about later. I think he won it at one point. But again it's just what there was no win in it. There's no division. I mean, Dean was probably the only one, but it's kinda of sad that he didn't have anyone to really like, you know, good feuds. It's kinda of best he ever had, sadly. But yeah, it just didn't have the personnel to make it work. You know, it's just that when they sign people from, like, the Cruiserweight, kind of, who would be Cruiserweight, they kind of pushed them higher up the cards. Like, Jericho in the main event, Chris Benoit, kind of, Vienna Cornell, um, P- Perry sat, and he could sit there. Perry sat, maybe? I think I don't think he was in that division, but I don't know. Maybe, but he was kind of in the hardcore ones. Like, it's it, it was just a, a forgotten division, sadly. But I think that's why it didn't work. It just, there wasn't anyone in it. No one, like, really was. Might be wrong. I mean, maybe there might be some ones, but it wasn't. What it was, what cruiserweights used to be, and what like heavyweight kind of thing is, is kind of showcase the kind of st- different style of wrestling. But then that kind of wrestling is moving up the cards. So, kind of light heavyweight championship or kind of division, it becomes obsolete, you know? It's kind of the reason why, after the kind of, um, after the, um, was it the invasion, kind of like WCW alliance kind of thing gone against WWF, hopefully we get to that point at some point. Um, maybe in next season or upcoming seasons, maybe. But yeah, it's kind of like that's the reason why when they done a a kind of um, unification match, it was a cruiserweight championship that stuck and not like a heavyweight championship, because it just um, it's just it was a shocking division. It just didn't work. There was no one in it, and it's kind of sad, but it's kind of true. So, but it might have been a great division, but this one's a hidden gem. Definitely check it out. So yes, let's get stuck and talk about other matches on the card, because I just realised we're talking, what, we're 30, half an hour into this podcast, and we've only talked about two matches, I mean, I'm sorry everyone, but yeah, um, I, I think I've got, you know, um, the old Monty Python sketch when they keep going, you know, get on with it, uh, me and Josh use that a lot, but it's very true, we can't stop talking, it's, I know it's what a podcast is, but we could talk for nearly two to three hours about this stuff, and I hope not to do, but yeah, I've got to get on with it, so... But yeah, so obviously, um, that's going into next match, really, where we're talking about, uh, we've got Bill, uh, Big Boss Man, going against um, Ball Buchanan. Ball Buchanan? Yes, I pronounced that right. I apologise. Um, a lot of B's really messes me up when it comes to pronouncing. If anyone knows, watching the Josh 2 Wrestling podcast, um, I'm not the greatest with, with um, pronouncing names. I do try my mission in any every recording I do, is to pronounce them right. So hopefully I have. Um, I'll try my best going through the pay for you trying to get right, I think I've done right so far, so, you know, give me some credit, or some slack, or, or you can criticise me, I don't mind, but yeah, I'm trying my best, people, leave me alone, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just talking nonsense now, but anyway, yes, and obviously he went against the APA, that, um, was a few that kind of started with, um, basically them getting involved in the kind of, you know, McMahon's Triple H, going against, like, Jericho, and kind of, um, The Rock and all that, kind of getting involved in that, the kind of... Uh, the big boss man and kind of Buchanan was kind of starting up as again as the kind of like bodyguards thing. Because obviously, um, big boss man was kind of always like the kind of I think during the corporation era, he was kind of the heavy kind of big, you know. Um, big boss man gives away a name, but um, obviously he's got like a back, back, you know, with Buchanan kind of as um, the kind of story going through with them. I find funny is like they're both from, um, they're both execute um, prison guards. You know, like, and they decided to t- join wrestling. It's like so old school. You know, now it'd just be like, well, you know, the team together. But then back then they had this thing like they're both prison guards, you know, and they've decided to come to professional wrestling. It's like I love that. No one cared about the big boss man and Buchanan. I mean, no offense, they were just kind of cliche, kind of bad guys, big, you know, cheated uh, two on one, went around with the kind of batons, you kind of have for kind of big boss man and kind of like cheating, all that kind of stuff. But it, it kind of works because they were kind of good foil for someone like the team they that got against here, the APA. That obviously at this point, they've kind of this is quite early on. The APA, as I said, um, probably in the last episode, is like it's that like early on, they've just kind of just formed. Kind of a thing that, um, I kind of like about APA is like I think I probably said it before, but I'll say it again what I love about it is like the APA concept is such a perfect storyline star when you think about it. Think about because it it's like. How they get involved in this? How how they got this match started. Like, how they get involved? Well, because Christiano hired them. So how do you get? How do they get involved in the kind of um, Jeff the Hardy Boys or the kind of Duddy Boys feud? Because the Duddies hired them. That's the whole. That's the whole stick. Is no. They just. They just. But like the whole. They're basically a business, and the reason they get involved is because they got hired. It's perfect. It doesn't. The good thing is it's no. It's the perfect storyline. It doesn't have to have any weird backstory. You can kind of get it because it's like the whole gimmick is basically their high security. So, if someone's example, if they went against here, they they kind of got involved, they got viewed because someone hired them and someone didn't like that he got involved in their business. It's simple storytelling and it worked. And in some ways, it kind of worked because everyone loved the APA, but we still haven't got to the point they don't call him the APA now. We're still calling him the Acolytes. So, we're still early on in the kind of run. Again, with the same with the other two, it's like the emergence of how awesome the APA is. Uh, we still haven't done the kind of we haven't got to the bit where we got the back kind of backstage stuff yet with the door and all that. So I look forward to watching that, but we're not here yet. But yeah, this is kind of how this feud started. I um, keep I kept I, kept, um, I never bring up in the last three, but I kind of want to m- m- mention it now I had, just to be sure. Is what a shocker that obviously Teddy Long is the ref of this tag team match. And I find it hilarious because it's like we all know Teddy Long, if you know, is a GM of SmackDowns. Like he loves his, he loves his tag team matches player. He loves he loves his tag team matches. So I just find it ironic that he seems to be putting in tag team matches as a ref. So I just find that funny. Hopefully you do too. But, um, yeah, obviously, um, cool. Again, it's not exactly like a world like amazing match in the sense you've got basically four big guys going against each other. Uh, we've got, again, uh, Ball Buchanan, if I pronounce that again right. And, um, again, other matches, he shows he's got the kind of stuff he can do, like, I think, that like jump from, like, from the straight to the top rope and then kind of do a, a kind of you know, cross-body that's kind of cool. I think it might have been 2000 or might have been another one. I can't remember where it kind of was that he kind of done it and he completely botched it. But um, when it works, it looks quite good. I mean, he's kind of good. He's got a big boot. He's got a good, educated feet. He can do one or two cool little, oh my God, how can a guy of his size kind of do that? Uh, obviously, now you've got people in, in real life like, you know, Brian Cage that can do all kinds of stuff in, In you know, this era. So when it comes to work, uh, Westing today so but it's big back then so you know but yeah it's just basically a basic match of just beating the believing hell out of each other um again it was short they give him what seven eight minutes it wasn't i mean it's one of those matches he's not gonna every match is not gonna be like a five star but it has its purpose obviously the crowd were kind of into it kind of because of um everyone loves the apa so um but yeah obviously it was a very clunky match again another blind tag situation where kind of uh was it bradshaw Got the tag, but the ref didn't see it, and then obviously the crowd said, were not win this match at all." As I said, and kind of like you know, you know the big boss man in becomes kind of just doing the heel thing and beating down. That's twice two tag team matches, and we had two plan tags to do it once, but to get, do the same spot is kind of frustrating in some ways. Because again, I think they brought it up, so I think it was possibly a, a storyline decision to kind of prove the incompetence of refs, kind of to kind of big up the kind of main event maybe. But again, I might be looking into it too much. But I guess that's the whole point of this broadcast. So, um, yeah. Obviously, we had this cool thing with, with, with Bull Nill, like a suplex at the top. And, you know, and kind of... Hit Bradshaw hit a clothesline from hell on a, uh, kind of that Buchanan. Kind of that really cool. Because I love that clothesline from hell. But obviously, Big Boss Man saved. But, um, yeah. Again, this kind of match ended... It's very... What, what kind of frustrates me with the kind of tag team matches in this, in some ways is that, you know, they both end with the kind of crap, ref not seeing what's going on and kind of ref you know, the heel or whoever's like, like hit a weapon from behind and gets the win. Um, it's kind of, when you think about it, you look back at the first match, it's pretty much the same thing. Blind tags, no one seeing anything. You know, um, chaos going on. When the referee isn't seeing it, the big, the bad or whoever's, you know, hits gets a weapon net. Na- was it now? someone? Weft in sip gets the pin, gets the win. It's one of those things, but again, it's like it doesn't hurt anyone because the APA they can take losses, but they still look badass while they're doing it. So it's pretty cool. Um, Big boss man and Buchanan doesn't really work for me. It never, I mean, it's one of these things. that just good guys you can put against like you know the popular teams and you can know they can do a, a competent good job, but you kind of didn't want them to. They're never going to amount to anything major or, like, be the hottest act in attitude there. You know. But that's fine. It's like, not everything can be, you know, you know, like, Stone Cold Steve Austin on the Rock or, like, you know, like, the little, like, the Hardys or the Dudleys or anything like that, you know? It's just, it can't be done. But, um, yeah, obviously, what I'm talking about is obviously a big boss man nailed Farouk with the Nightstick. And then um, then he nailed Bradshaw with the Nightstick as well. So, the wef while well, the ref is kind of looking at Buchanan for some reason. No one knows why. Um... Yep, yeah, and obviously then the kind of Buchanan kind of hit that really cool scissors kick, and it's really cool move. And yeah, for, from the top, that kind of like you like them, I like them big moves when they do that. And uh, yeah, got the pin, got a win again. Didn't give they didn't give this match enough time; wasn't as important. Seven minutes, fine match, bit clunky. Nothing to, to really talk about. Heels get the win by cheating. End of the match. Really? Yeah, it's one of those few where it Just didn't go anywhere, but it's fine. As again, he's are kind of bridge at this point. The APA are the APA, but I can't, I can't remember if they were in that kind of, what was it, when we're talking about the kind of pay-per-views um, going on, I think it was called Insurrection, uh, looks like was it was the APA, It kind of uh, situationally, it was more of a world dog, maybe there was like a DX kind of APA kind of feud going on, that makes sense near the end of it, so looks like that's what they were doing. Uh, but obviously, we had um, obviously they was Bubba Cannon went against Kane uh, Insurrection, and obviously Bradshaw went against Old Dog. So maybe it's like that the, their feud is going that way and kind of the other way. But again, it's um, it's it's funny things. It's not up top there when it comes to feuding. Uh, again, but I'm kind of rambling on about something. But it's not it's it's fine. Uh, I don't want I'm not negative. It's like it was too competent. It's just one of those matches that like sub matches you just. Give them just five or ten minutes and just let them do the thing again and get over with. Not everything's going to be great. So, but, yeah, it's probably, like, the worst, the, the probably the least favorite match so far. But it, where it is on the card, it's fine. So, yeah, so, Big Boss Man and Buchanan, you know, at some point we all know they're going to go and join. I can't wait to find out how the formation of the right to censor. Especially when you look at the stuff they're kind of getting booed for. I can't wait. For that to kind of form you know, in the late 2000s, and I can't wait to kind of find out like the stuff they're complaining about is what we all and getting booed for is what kind of is the acceptable norm. That, yeah, they it's a weird thing. I look forward to talking about it a bit more, but let's be honest, what I'm saying is they were, the stuff they were complaining about, like Ivory and all that, they're right, <laughs> they're 100% right. It's quite once we wrestling has changed now, so it's weird, but that's kind of what. I'm Waiting for Buchanan because I didn't know he was in this kind of feud, so that's why I'm waiting for him. And obviously, the big boss man is just being the big boss man, being around for the sake of being around. Um, so, but yeah, we yeah, had it like a two out of five fine match, done its thing. That's cool, all good. So, yeah, so after that, we obviously had the um, uh, a hardcore six man hardcore match for the WWF Hardcore Championship with obviously the Crash Holly, the champion, as pretty much you define this era. Of hardcore wrestling in there. was like... He's the guy you remember. Uh, going against his cousin... Hardcore Holly. Uh, Matt and Jeff are in this match. And Perry Saturn. And Taz. Um, all vying to become... The WWF hardcore champion. Uh, but yeah. Obviously this is kind of a follow up... To the kind of... Kind of train wreck they had... With that kind of... I kind of know what it was. Like a battle royal. I can't remember now the 2001... Where it was just so bad. It was so... Like... I think it was like a, I think like a, oh now remember it's like hardcore, hardcore like kind of, kind of challenge kind of thing where everyone like everyone was multiple, you get a pin, you become champion, he gets you pin him, you get champions like multiple hardcore champions. It was so, so many, it was just all over the place. It was like so many like people hitting stuff. It was far too long, and they put like a, they put a time limit on it, so it kind of ruined it for me, but. um yeah, it was kind of one of those matches that didn't really. Let's be honest, it got very bo- it got very boring very quickly. Um, so what? Did, so to try and solve that remedy, they done they took them the time out, but they still had multiple people involved. So, and to be fair, it didn't exactly produce a very a better outcome when it comes to hardcore matches. Um, again, it's it was one of those feuds. It's one of those things. Hardcore championship. What works for it is two one-on-one individual matches of just two people. Getting weapons and being living crap at each other, and the kind of 24 7 rule that Crash came up with where he can beat the bags, the the, um, kind of segments where he's he's out in every day, and someone trying to pin him when he's in his hotel room. uh, Was it some clowns when he was at the circus? You know, that's what made it cool and made it kind of what everyone remembers, and not like putting like this kind of stuff, like multi man, like kind of hardcore matches, just doesn't work for me. And it never did, and I don't think it ever will. You know, it just didn't really work. But, I mean, it did have these moments. But, yeah, this kind of match had a situation where, again, the 27 rule was in effect. But um, the match kind of ended with, uh, kind of, uh, they had to pin Crash. It wasn't a situation you had to pin anyone in the match. You had to pin the champion. Uh, so, basically, the whole match was basically of Trying to beat the living hell out of Crash Holly. It is, it's just basically the match in general, really. It's basically you got you got Crash running away to the uh, the arena, kind of going co- um, sitting there trying to get away. Uh, obviously, we keep forget. I, I've got to bring up obviously because obviously so many stuff going on in general with the shows. Like we had, back, was it the famous Backlash kind of um, swinging kind of hooks that we all know and love, where were back in the day when WWF actually put the time and effort to make the kind of tighter and kind of stages uniquely different in every pay per view. That we is kind of we just don't get in wrestling anymore. That's kind of kinda of sad. Um I think maybe this year's not really fair, but I just wish that they kind of put a bit more attention to detail in kind of stages. Uh, some of the best stages I've been in during this era. Obviously, had the SmackDown kind of fist going through glass. That's great. I mean, that was um, obviously you got this Backlash one. You had, uh, I think the Armageddon one was good. I um, filled my head. But they just don't do them like that anymore. I just love it. They put a little bit of effort just to make it a little bit more interesting. You just don't put that attention to detail anymore. And it kind of sucks. But um, yeah, obviously, kind of clash uh, Crash, I mean, he's trying to run away. And basically, had this cool thing where Matt went on, on top of that swinging and kinda of jumped, kind of like a leg drop from fifteen feet that looked awesome. You had kind of um basically Perry was it Perry sating trying to hit like, you know, like he done this thing where he broke part of the set. It's <laughs> kind of like, you know, it's kind of funny. Where it's kind of like a back suplex and it kind of broke the side of the kind of swing cooks. It kind of um it's kind of funny. But um, kind of didn't bring it up but you know it's cool stuff but um it wouldn't be a it wouldn't be a match without some sort of craziness from Jeff He done this really sweet hamakcarara um on um, kind of um Perry Saturn on the uh, in the entranceway that was again it was always, always cool it's always good to see him do his crazy stuff it's kind of the good thing about hardcore matches is kind of it's what it's Jeff's bread and butter and to this day he still does crazy stuff and ladder matches all the all the stuff that involves crazy spots. He's the perfect man for it. The reason it's kind of... In this kind of match is the only problem why it didn't work. Why it was hard to watch at times. Because it's basically like... You've got six men going against one guy. And you can only take so much kind of... Someone getting hit in head with a trash can. Or a baking tray. Or a stop sign. And where it just gets kind of boring. I know it's hard to say. But the idea is there's less is more. But basically the whole match was said... Was just basically them trying to... You know... Taz trying to basically not Taz, but I mean Crash basically was trying to escape. So everyone they got five men trying to pin him basically, five on one. Uh, but yeah, it did did have some good moments. You had you had kind of Taz trying to choke some uh, choke Matt with the extension cord that now you would get fired for. We all know the famous Danny Bryan many 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 years ago. So you know it's crazy to see yeah, someone getting choked different era. We had a good uh, springboard Moonsault by Jeff as well. It was awesome. Uh, but yeah, with like Crash like. The stuff they were doing to him, mate. The guy should be dead. I mean, come on. I mean, the crazy stuff, you know. But, like, simple things like got his own cousin giving him a set-out suplex onto a chair. I mean, come on, man. It's your cousin. Um, okay, Crash Holly is basically one of the... It's it's one of those hidden... I keep talking about last... Kind of, like, the hidden gems with, like, heavyweight championship. Like, Crash Holly is that. He's kind of like that kind of... It was just basically, a, a, like, a small guy that's kind of smaller than most but really really he's got a lot of heart and he just wanted to prove how tough he is and this is kind of feud that made him it's like the guy who got beat the crap out of like a lot the kind of punishment this guy got was harsh uh we got like a ladder pop because obviously well, i think jeff matt and jeff went for a ladder uh that's obviously um uh, we still haven't got to the point where. They have kind of proved that they kind of the masters of the ladder. So again, we're teasing that up to that amazing TLC match we're going to get later in this 2000. Again, I can't wait to go and watch at some point. I can't wait to get on this podcast. It's going to be great to talk about it. But that's not there yet. So not not get carried away there. We obviously got a nice pop, and the hard is kind of whipping the um, hardcore into into the ladder into the corner. It was pretty cool. A lot of um, we had a nice little uh, like tag team from Matt and Jeff, where Matt was hitting a kind of twist of fate on Crash, and then Jeff um, hit the Swan Tom, and then it was kind of as you expect when it's every man for yourself. Both of the bubbles are kind of turning on each other, trying to pin him, but you know they don't know what's really you know. It's like kind of arguing. It's like oh no, I should win. No, you should win. But yeah, obviously, and then obviously when you just when you just when you think hey, man, it's fine, you forget about Taz. Uh, we got crash hit was it getting the taz mission on him but perry sat and like kind of stopped him with a ironically a stop sign slap bang on his head as you can probably put out well, he was not when we will talk about proper he was out of it i mean kind of like it's basically a straight to the head you can see it in his eyes he is rolling his eyes out yeah obviously matt and him, matt and jeff kind of went diving off the turnbuckle to kind of eliminate taz and holly from um, to the floor kind of that kind of, they're doing their thing. Obviously, Taz is still, he's pretty much, like, probably a good thing got him out, because he was out of it at this point. Uh, but then, kind of, like, Crash rolled over, put his arm on Taz, like, kind of, that Taz is back in the ring, and kind of, yep, basically got away with it, put his arm, got the one, two, three, and Crash Holly escaped yet again. I think he ran out the ring, and basically, it was all, that was it. Yeah, well, they gave this match only 12 minutes, not 20. Then they gave it 20, or, like, 15 minutes, a bit less, but... It was a bit better than the match at WrestleMania 2000. Obviously, this point, luckily, this term didn't have a botch like they did last time, with the kind of um, bit where kind of we know No Harker Holly was not supposed to win that match at WrestleMania 2000, it was supposed to be crash, but they they made it up the week later. But there's not, none of this, in the, n- none of that in this. It was kind of the whole point was, through this like kind of run last couple of it's he's supposed to be this guy. He's escaping. He's still winning. Finding ways to win. If it involves just cheating, it involves kind of just, like, being in the right place at the right time. It's supposed to be this thing. Um, but it kind of works because Crash is so likeable. He's so, like, likeable as a person and as a character that, yeah, he could have be, like, the heel. But you want him to win. So, especially with his cousin being so cruel to him. But, yeah, so, take away that. It's just, it was fine. Um, I'm not going to crap it too much. If you like, like, a, it's kind of, if you like Lankana's matches, you'll love this. Um... I personally, I could again. It's one thing I could still watch it. Come on, everyone likes someone getting smashed in the face, high spot from a ladder, you know, crazy spots. I like that kind of stuff. I think they did tone it down after a bit. than they did at kind of West WrestleMania 2000, where it kind of just felt like, come on, like none of them. It doesn't even get the shock. The it doesn't even get the oh my god shock factor anymore. But yeah, I mean, it was better and obviously better finish. But, um, yeah, I hope Taz was okay with this because, again, that stop sign to the face was like, damn, he is out of it. But it's still cool. It's still, it's still a good match in some ways. But, yeah, I give up 2.5, probably for the fact that Crash won. And, obviously, they were good moments isn't it? You know, Jeff being Jeff, Matt being Matt. Crazy, when you've got them two and they you're always going to get some cool spots. So, yeah, just better people in the match. And, as I said, kind of this one of situation where... It kind of was, you know, it gave the Harley something to do. Pabby Satin was always been chasing the title for a while. Uh, Taz has been at that division ever since the kind of, you know, after his kind of debut against Kurt Angle in January. kind of just been around, kind of, he had that great match and then they stuck him in this. Uh, but, yeah, and obviously the, ha- the cousins with the hardcore Holly, tried. I think, after the Ithacore feud, he kind of went into this. Uh, but kind of like Dan Hatt being hardcore and kind of crash, kind of Holly, it's quite a goal. So, I don't know if they ever, I can't remember if they ever won the tag titles or had the t- t- a run with the titles. Don't think they did, but if they, it's kind of a missed opportunity because it would have been fun if they didn't. I might have to look it up. But, um, yeah, so, yeah, 2.5, good match. I enjoyed it to a point. But, again, I think I'm kind of glad from watching, seeing other results from pay-per-views. They kind of decided that single matches for the Hardcore Championships are I think the best thing to do and the way to go and after that kind of the matches became fun to watch but yeah these kind of experiment when they cut multi-man kind of hardcore matches just showed that it didn't work but I give them credit they they understood it didn't work and changed out basically and uh, yeah good for them but yeah it was not great it wasn't it wasn't as spectacular but it was too fun to watch so it was one thing none of these matches are is that you're not watching them going why do these suck they weren't as they're not exactly amazing but done the job so you give him credit for that so see so yes let's get back into talking about another match that again was very short i mean probably shortest of the night uh well, well obviously i've talked about was the big show and kurt angle uh very weird because obviously at this point um it kind of all started for kind of big show being that kind of ever since you kind of like they built him up to wrestlemania 2000 it's just like with shane is just like monster and then he just gets eliminated in the first, like, first rounds of the uh, main event. And then he comes back and kind of is, like, he wants to find, like, he wants to become a star. And then for the entirety of the kind of couple of weeks, he's dressing up as people. I think he dressed up as kind of uh, the guy from uh, Fat Bastard from the um, Austin Powers films. I think he, done the two, he dressed up as Too Cool at some point. He just basically was trying to find... He's trying to be kind of like funny because of that. I mean, at this point, I think he done a, a SNL sketch and he was kind of funny. So they're kind of capitalizing on that this guy's more than just a monster where it's like he wants to have fun. But if you like, you know, piss him off, he's the big, big show that, you know, monster that we all know and love. So that was the kind of thing. Uh, going through that, and obviously, Kurt Angle was still kind of reeling from his loss of both his intercontinental and European championship match, European titles. So he was kind of basically, we, we kindle gold, right? And basically, the whole thing was basically, he was trying to basically, be, uh, obviously, he's got the Olympic gold medals, but he wanted gold back. And he was going through, you know, title matches. Uh, Triple H and Shane were kind of like, you know, do you want, we'll put you against Edge and Christian, but your tag team part is the big show. But anyway, he, he was like, yeah, we're going to win titles. But again, he came. We had the Big Show trying to have a laugh, or because of that they lost. Kurt Angle was not happy, and basically that started the feud of kind of kind of started a feud with them too. Uh, we got Kurt Angle trying to talk about, yeah, kind of talking about you know like the Big Show being a waste of talent, that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, basically being what Kurt Angle was, we all love him for um, being the basic guy that's given a mic, and he's very good at just doing the simple things in wrestling um, of pissing people off. And uh, at this point, he was still undefeated if you don't count the kind of choke of Taz that they don't. That's kind of sad because you did lose to Taz, but you know record books don't show it, so it's one of those things. But yeah, Angle was just like he was building up to the they are building up quite nicely at this point. But uh, yeah, you are still undefeated, and obviously against the Big Show. Obviously then, obviously Crangle being been Angle, then. Obviously, what who came out? Um, you had um the Big Show, but he's dressed up as Hulk Hogan, you know, hulking up all that kind of stuff, you know. Um, at some point out, I think of a view I said, it's kind of true, they, normally they kind of stopped doing these kind of big shots at um, WCW, because obviously Hulk is at WCW at this point, but um, it kind of works because obviously it's the big show, it's kind of worth his gimmick he's doing, but I think it's like they never used to do a lot of these at this point, but at this point in 2000, WCW was on its knees, uh, so it's don't think they were making that much of a challenge anyway, so... It would definitely have to do it in '98 or '97. It'd be like, oh come on, man! But at this point, it was just like, WW would like what we as we know hindsight's a beautiful thing. We've got our business probably like 12 months to maybe like nearly a year later. So I don't think this really would have hurt them and pissed them off. They had their own problems, but um, yeah, um, it it was basically I was surprised how short this match was. I'm just saying, it's just like he had ankle doing the punches on kind of big show, but he's proper selling it like you know hulking up um with the whole thing where he hits him and he can't doesn't affect him and he done the whole you know he does the punches you know the big boot the leg drop he got um the kind of and the kind of annoying that he obviously done the leg drop and he would get the win but i guess guessing that was supposed to be the burial of whole hogan but maybe that's just me but um yeah but i did get some momentum he started work uh, he started to work on the kind of um kind of of the left knee of uh, the big show uh, obviously, the, the fans were chanting Hogan. It's kind of funny when... Would the, is that the kind of reaction they wanted? Especially when he's not in the company anymore. But yeah, kind of took him on the left leg or the, the Big Show. But then, basically, Big Show kind of lost it. <laughs> basically, like he said, oh, okay, okay, funny games are over. Started, basically, he ripped off the, the, the kind of hair and the, in the belt and the wrist and basically just hits... Uh, basically went for an angle. Angus hits the um, huge... You know, lifting, the way he lifts him up is amazing. The Big Show lifted him up, hit the choke slam to get the win in, uh, you said, nearly two, nearly two to three minute match. Surprised how short this match was. I guess it was one of the situations with the kind of uh, gimmick with uh, the Big Show being this comedy wrestler. They thought it was just one and done. Obviously, this is um, Crack Ankle's first loss, but I think it normally would be like, oh, he lost in such a ridiculous fashion. But I think it, if any... It's Kurt Angle kind of was a kind of over-the-top ridiculous character that kind of um, kind of matched it because he was so good in the ring. So it's fine. I mean, obviously, we, I think it doesn't... I can understand if it annoyed you back then, but obviously, hindsight's beautiful Things so we know where Kurt Angle's going by the end of this year. So I don't think he's going to be hurt by this, of course. But, yeah, I mean, the question, obviously, this match is, like, again, the big show, man. I mean, the guy's very entertaining, but for me, it felt like he went down a card at this point. I mean, we're talking about a man that was main event of a WrestleMania. And now he's doing comedy sketches, you know. I think it's always been a question with Big Show. Like, you know, what is he? Like, he should be like, more respected and more high on the card than he did. He just didn't really go anywhere. It's kind of sucky. It kind of sucks, but it's one of those things. But, but again, it's, um, it's too, Big Show was still quite cool. But when it comes to, like, the match-up, it was short. It was fine. i will give it a one out of five. It's not really anything we talk about. It's just it, if you find out Hogan stuff, it's kind of funny. It's Hogan. Everyone's um, parodied Hogan to death at this point. But at that point, it wasn't. So it was, a Big Show has always made it work. So it's kind of funny, but I'm hoping... I don't know. I don't hunch it with short sure weight goals. I, I guess I'm guess hoping this is it. And it's like, I had a fun, minute then Big Show goes back to the Big Show that we know and love. Uh, but again, I'll look into it. But again, terrible for a reviewer, right? <laughs> Well, you know, we are talking about the past, you don't know what's going on. It's like I like the—I sh- think I like the kind of short factor of it, like watching it step by step, as you would anyway, because it kind of get out with the action. So I'm, um, I'm going in not knowing what's happening next because I didn't watch this era, So that's the fun of it, I find with this podcast. And hope you enjoy it. If you don't, let me know. Um, I'll try and be a bit more factual. Um, I'll try my best. But yeah, uh, but yeah, I think at this point, I think it was—it might have been one about the time. It must be one about the time where it's starting to have fuse with Benoit. You know, I think he's gone back into the. I think he took a back seat and now he's going back into the kind of feud with, um, you know, Benoit, Jericho, all that kind of stuff. That kind of, um, again, it's like three of the best. I mean, if, if I think Benoit, Christia, uh, Kurt Angle and Benoit, I mean, it's actually there as well as, you know, the great feud they had during the um, kind of the early days of the Paul Heyman kind of SmackDown 6. I mean, they're 2 can go. It's too quite sad what we're talking about, Benoit, but yeah, but. Um, yeah, at this point, Kahn is on to better, better things, so it's fine. A big show. Hopefully, we do some cool stuff. So, But actually, before we do that, let's take a nice little break. Uh, just, you know, just a refresher, because I think we've been talking for, what, near an hour now? And um, just a little break, just so we can chill out. Uh, when we come back, we'll be talking about uh, TNA, um, Albert and Hess with Trish Stratus going against the Dudley boys. Um, then we we'll, uh, as well as Eddie Guerrero versus S.A. Rios for the WF European Championship. And then we'll obviously come back. We've got Benoit and Chris Jericho, and as well as we've got the main event between The Rock and Triple H for the Championship. So that should be fun. So, yeah, we'll take a little break and I'll be back in a sec. See you in a bit. Yeah, so uh, I'm back. Uh, yeah, yeah, just a little bit of a, a respite, you know, because obviously I just realised when I do these things, I kind of realised that I kind of, um, uh, basically two and a half hours or an hour just basically talking. So it's always good to get a breather. Uh, in real life, this just was a pub chat. I probably would have got a pot. I would have got a pint by now after this chat. So it's kind of what it is, you know, just chill out. So um, yeah, we're back. So that's kind of um, that's we looked at part one. So like, let's go and finish off talking about this. Uh Backlash two thousand, it's been a pretty decent pay view at this point, uh when you think about it. But um yeah, but then it's kind of the good stuff. Kind of you had the two little kind of not great matches, but now you're getting now at this point we're getting to the good stuff. So um, yeah, but obviously but as I said before, obviously now we're gonna talk about TNA. Obviously Albert and Tess with Trish Stratus as the kind of valet kind of manager. Going against the Dudley Boys. In a very strange feud. <laughs> Um, basically, um, at this point, it was getting to the. Obviously, we know when thinking of the Dudleys, we always think of tables. So this was kind of what the the kind of we start is it, it, again. It's same as the others. It's a great emergence of what these great things we think about the Atachira kind of what started it. And this was definitely one of it. Obviously, with uh, the tables. Obviously, the sad messed up way is basically the Dudleys got famous by putting women's food, women food tables. Obviously, Mae Young i think uh who was it who else like, may young like twice i think it was i think it was tory or i think put for the table at some point or terry i think it was or put for the table a couple of times and obviously at this pace um it was um it all set up basically the dudleys uh were basically we're going to put Trish rats for a table didn't work and we've basically uh then that started the feud with tna and um very dangerous, obviously. It seems like, um, what well, we all know when Bubba A puts something through a table. It's like an orgasmic feeling for him. He loves it. Uh, but, um, yeah, he's about to do it. And, obviously, Tristratus, um, I think it was, like, kissed him. And, basically, he got entranced by her. Um, he's basically, like, he was, he's more shocked than anything else. And, basically, the whole feud was, basically, Tristratus trying to play mind games with him. And um, He had these weird kind of sexual kind of segments where she had a bit where she's got all these tables. And she's going, "Oh, I like, you know round tables, all, you know, I like long tables, you know, I like you know, it's like, you know, like trying to really mess with Bubba Way that is very dangerous because the guy likes putting people through tables and you're trying to mess with him psychologically, like come, that kind of thing, so very dangerous, so the funny thing about this match is, as I said, it's like you're waiting for that moment where you're watching this match and you're like okay, so the whole thing they're setting up is basically is Bubba gonna put Tristia S through a table? And that is that match. Pretty much, it's basically waiting for that moment where you're waiting for that moment. Where it might be after the match, or maybe she'll she'll get a confrontation during the match because obviously it's a, it's not a tables match. So you're waiting for that moment. Uh, but yeah, obviously we had that nice line by totally actually there. What we got was it Bubba where he kind of hit Abba with a clothesline and yelled at Trish, saying, "I'm gonna get you, you little bitch." Just like, <laughs> it's like, like, yeah, she's going through a table. Um, yeah, we had this nice little kind of spot where kind of um, where things like Albert Slam Test uh, or was it Slam Test onto the Devon. D- That's kind of cool. It's kind of random, but it's just like just like the idea of it is like the then double team moves. You don't we really do people those kind of sizes. So that was kind of cool. But um, yeah, but when it comes to matches, like when it comes to takeaway. The feud was against Bubba Way <laughs> and Tristatus. Like. But the kind of everybody else in between, it kind of felt they felt, the match felt flat in some ways. But um, yeah, it's it was one of those things so you, it's like you'll get through the match to get to the thing you want. So it was one of those things that so yeah, it was fine. Yeah, it was a bit longer than I would expect it. It was what? Phew, how long did they give this match? They gave it eleven minutes. when boy would have gave it a bit less time. It was it never like eight to seven minutes match. Wasn't that? It was. It was. It was. It was like the other tag team match. It was fine. It was good. Um, again another. Botch tag when he got Bubba trying to tag Devon but the ref missed it again again to do that spot once but twice but three times in the pay-per-view it's very repetitive at this point and kind of tiresome but you know it's guessing when you got hindsight in yourself but yeah the match was a bit too long um yeah kind of ended with obviously yeah Bubba got the hot tag against Tess and then a Samoan drop for a two you had obviously D- yeah, Devon kind of um, sent Tess on the outside a double team net breaker by the Dudleys, basically, or JR thought it was 3D, but it wasn't, it ended with um, the, the TNA basically getting the win, That's kind of surprising, obviously we had basically, um, basically the match ended with, we got the Dudleys wanting to hit the 3D, but then, as always, when Bubba was supposed to hit the 3D, Tristratz was using her womanly ways, it's weird, it's obviously it's a bit weird back then, but um, yeah, to try and distract Bubba. Uh, obviously, the d was not happy by this, and basically, it's like he got distracted by him. Uh, but yeah, it basically ended with basically Test hitting like a big boot uh, to knock down, was it Bubba? And basically, you know, the, um, Tess basically covered uh, covered him it was enough to get the win. Nothing crazy, nothing special. Kind of like that about it, actually, there sometimes, where it's kind of like the matches. Um, it doesn't end with big moves, sometimes it ends with a big boot, or like it's just a power slam or something, you know. Mind you, that just gets to wing like the shock factor that kind of like at some point because it kind of f- puts the unpredictability, the match can just end just like that, like it just ends. But, um, but yeah, obviously, so it makes sense when the team, the heel team gets to win when well, the kind of team you expect to be healed, but then you're thinking, okay, okay, it's the end of the match, but like, nope, we have a pulse, we have a pulse match where basic e now is a net breaker on Tess. Uh, then they basically go after twist, Like basically took out both both of the TED team. And then the, the Bubba way's like, yeah, I'm going to get you. And yeah, and um, yeah, could obviously go for Trish. Then the Dudleys hit the 3D on Albert. So he's out. So she's all alone. And then Bubba grabs her hair. And then they go and uh, basically um, Trish tries to kiss him. Tries it. Uh, but he shakes it off. He's like, no, not this time. You're going through a table. Grabs her hair again. But Devon going to get the table, sets it up, goes to the top, sets her up on the powerbomb, and then boom, hits the powerbomb through the table. The crowd love it because, be honest, everyone loves seeing someone going through a table, and also we're quite messed up, wrestling fans, when especially it's a woman going through a table. But a different era, a different time, never judge an error to a point on what kind of stuff they did. They were a product of their time, but yeah, but we. Um, It's one of these golden rules in wrestling. Sometimes just give the people what they want. And people wanted to see to stratus go through the table. And they're going to be honest, give them credit. They built it up quite nicely. It's like every week you thought, is this going to be the week? Is she going to go for the table? Is she going to go for it? Is she going to go for that table? And she found a way of either distracting Bubba while kissing him, you know, trying to use the old womanly ways, or like her tag team was able to get get her out of there. But this time she finally got it's 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 it's, it's a thing that I like uh, this why it worked because it's like it had a payoff, you know. Some people would have teased this out way longer than it should have, but the te- it, was, it was a couple of weeks where she couldn't get it, and then when the pay per view, she got what coming to her, and she went for the table. Um, yeah, got the win. Um, yeah, and that was it. And then obviously we got the usual stuff. We put her on a stretcher, put her back. You know, she okay? We obviously knew she was, but. But the kind of big up. I kind of like the kind of seriousness they sometimes do. Like, it's kind of missed that we do it. Wrestling in general sometimes where, but but that's the way it is. But yeah, it did that. But again, this when it comes to the match, it was fine. Uh, again, it was more of a solid, consistent, pretty much the kind of scenes about like the same stuff. Blind tags, um, basically distraction got the win for the TNA. But yeah, but we. I don't think the fans were too bothered because they got what they wanted. They wanted just going through a table. And she did. And everyone's happy. Except for was Triss. And the TNA and pretty much anyone. But, um, yeah, they got what they wanted. Um, but, yeah, again, with the Dudleys, it's kind of like, it was a gap feud. Kind of, you know, like, they just had that, was it, they had the ones, the feud that we all know they have with the Dud with Jeff, Matt and Jeff, and the kind of a- edging Christian. So, it's like, now, what do we do now? Cause We put them in the feud with them. So, like, keep them separate and put them against TNA. You know, not an amazing team, but, you know, competent, quite entertaining with Trish Stratus. that's to be honest, is basically the reason people kind of remember because, let's be honest, they kind of were putting up a sex appeal. And, you know, the, the old saying, sex sells. So, but yeah, obviously, this is not the Trish Stratus we know and love where she turned into, like, you know, this amazing kind of wrestler of her era. We're talking about, like, you know, big boobs, big ass, you know, walking around like, you know, showing that off, basically. Um luck luckily she went above that and kind of became known for her red and less about her looks. That's kinda nice. But it's the way it was back then. Just fine. It's well it's not fine, but it's the way it was, so never judge. But um yeah. So everyone everyone at the time went unhappy. happy. Well in this case, um was pretty happy that you saw perfect, they built up something and they paid it off. And yeah. And what yet again it just shows how like Another example of an emergence of what made a great staple of the Era great is like everyone like the Dudleys, just kind of messed up, it said, got famous by putting people through tables, and, it was, and everyone loves seeing people going through tables, so it just made sense. It was really cool, like, it's like they were setting up, I don't know if they even knew it, where they were setting up kind of these teams that got a specialist, and eventually it brought up to the great, you know, TLC, I think it's SummerSlam, SummerSlam 2000, might be wrong, I think it was, yeah. So i look forward to obviously we've got a couple of episodes until we get to that can't wait for that but yeah so but i just like the kind of build up of it all just like it feels like so little things that build up to great bad payoffs and kind of like make i like feuds or like stuff where you can you can find the origins of where things start um where like like slow build i think that's what made this kind of era 2000 at least like great writing It's like you can you can have a feud back in Deve- december and you can trace it all the way back from january you know it's just a very long-term year-long kind of arc that i kind of like but maybe i'm just being nostalgia but you know nostalgia's is a powerful thing but yeah so everyone was happy so yeah so i'll give that i'm gonna give it probably match probably f- 2.5 but for the, if you bump up the kind of pulse match it's a 3.5 by far maybe four if you like i, I might put 4.5 just because you know Everyone, everyone got people got what they wanted. So happy days. Maybe not for Trish, but anyway. Um, nice little thing here with the kind of thing where obviously when Trish was gone through the um, ambulance or going on the ambulance, she had a nice little thing with Eddie Guerrero uh, coming back. Obviously, um, he's just come back from his prom because obviously the whole thing here is a situation where he was basically taking his was it G was it G E T S or I think that's like the American's version of high school. Have uh, gone back to pass his test, so he did that, and obviously he's taken. Um, and He's gone to the prom. Obviously, now girlfriend of China. That obviously we um, probably didn't bring up. That obviously she turned on Chris Jericho, and uh, joined um, Eddie Guerrero. Like Eddie Guerrero was kind of trying to put his advances on her, leading up to the WrestleMania two thousand. Um, it didn't work then. Didn't put it off. Pulled the trigger then, but they did put it off the night after. So and then so so Eddie Guerrero and China were together. It's kind of just couple. And the whole thing is basically she's help. She's helping him win all the time. You know, it's kind of like it's always him. Like he, he defends his title that way. That's kind of good because okay, it puts over China who's doing something interesting and Eddie Guerrero keeps getting the, racking up the wins and he's enter- there's not the Eddie Guerrero we know and love yet. But he still has the kind of snippets of why he's a very entertaining character. But um, yeah and the kind of situation yeah so it was like helping him out with the european championship um U- european title as you say it feels weird when you say european championship it sounds very football related anyway i'm talking nonsense but um yeah so but yes yeah, so obviously he had that it came from his prom and obviously going and and it it's kind of like a situation where like kind of out of nowhere stuff it's like yeah eddie you got a match like now you need to get changed so i like the way he drive the car into there into the um into the arena, and kind of get changed there and then, so it's like, you can, it's funny that he's, like, wrestling, and he's, like, he always take his top off and all that, but he's, like, he's still wrestling, and he's kind of, like, tucks, that's kind of, like, yeah, he's, like, he, he was so in forward. he forgot he's got a match next, but, um yeah, and obviously when it comes to the kind of um, situation with the kind of match in general, why he's facing S.A. Rios, it's kind of a situation where, obviously, S.A. Rios... Um, obviously, was kind of tagging with Eddie Guerrero. Uh, well obviously, with Lita was with S.A. worse at this point uh, before she joined Vitor Team Extreme. But uh, yeah, it's basically a situation of um, I th- during a tag team match. I think Lita kind of like tried to hit, kind of like trying to hit her, kind of like the moonsault thing she did. But obviously, miscommunication, kind of hit the one person and basically cost them a match. And basically, the whole feud is basically built around the idea of obviously Lita and and China are not getting along, and obviously because s a Rios and Eddie Guerrero, you know that kind of stuff, they got involved, um, type of thing. Well, I'm probably paraphrasing that terribly, but uh, but yeah, basically, it's, it's like a miscommunication of the match where kind of Lita uh, hitting Eddie Guerrero by mistake in a tag team match, basically. Uh, but um, yeah, it's it was one of these things when watching this match, kind of reminded me it's like how good S.A. Rios is. He's kind of forgotten about, really, um, in the sense that one, it's I don't know. After this actually, didn't we do much? That I can't. That I know of, anyway. You know, it's like I don't know what he did, but I mean, the guy was basically like an amazing high flyer. The kind of stuff he could do. I think I remember when I used to play the old SmackDown 2 kind of no you roll kind of game. I remember love playing as him because the kind of stuff you can do. Or always going against him when I done storyline feud. Uh, when i was on, like Heat or something. I think I remember that well. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you forget how good uh, S.A. Rios was. You know, how good he was. And I think this match, um, it was a slow burn, but it got there in the end. Um, as I said, kind of the crowd... it it was, it, The crowd wouldn't be into it, but it's kind of a story of how it kind of worked today. It's like... They weren't 100% into it, but it's like... They got into it with, you know, a good, a good spot or kind of thing that got the crowd in. You just need that kind of enthusiasm. But um, it's a slow burn, but... Um, yeah, obviously, we had, um, obviously, to get involved, hitting a full-arm uppercut on Rios to sort of, like, help his boy- her boyfriend kind of situation. Kind of story we're going for. Uh, yeah, obviously, we had nice exchanges of uh, kind of um, holds with Russo's name, like a monkey flip to send Rios into the ropes. The, the way he, Eddie Guerrero landed in that, really, like, wow, that must have hurt. Um, but yeah, China kept getting involved. Yeah, we had this thing where basically, um, I'm kind of paraphrasing a lot of this, but... Yeah, but we—it's basically a situation of like we had. I think it was a bit of a spot where Esa Rios jumped over the top rope, like literally launched over it, and then kind of um, hits a kind like you know like a planter on kind of um, Eddie Grail. It was like man, that was awesome. Uh, we had we had obviously had cool things where you had um, was it Eddie went for a move on the floor, and then you had like Lita went to the top, and then China shoved her into the announce table. Uh, at ringside, and was capitalising this with a kind of springboard moonsault that again was pretty much what he's famous for. Onto the announce table, I mean that moon looked absolutely awesome, so cool. Um, again, like kind of like a suicide dive onto the, over the turnbuckle onto the floor. That great. Uh, it base it was basically one of his matches. It started off slow, but when it got going with the high spots and the cool spots, everyone's really into it. But, um, yeah, it's kind of near the end. It's kind of sad. But, yeah, obviously, they ended with kind of um, Rios going to the top. Um, as yet again, kind of like um, trying to tripping him up. And then, uh, what's it? Eddie Guerrero nailing the suplex. then then And then a brain buster. You nailed they kind of aerota- aeroplane spin into a net breaker and got the win. Kind of basically, basically, the match ended with him kind of basically taking advantage of the distraction, as you would expect. So... But yeah, ended a very, very good match. I mean, it was one of those matches that slow to get build-up, but it worked fine for me. I think it was it was, it was, was one of these things where it's just so like you're trying to figure out what to do with this match, but then when they got to the kind of what it was point, like, you know, high-flying, kind of crazy like our spots with Sa Rios kind of a bit of uh, aerial ability, it kind of, but then the crowd, the fans started getting into it. I kind of wish it was like for the whole match. The shenanigans I would have been not liked, but Again, it's just it's cool stuff. I mean, Eddie Guerrero was just finding his feet, I think, at this point. Um, obviously, after he's not really with the radicals anymore. And obviously, with China doing something interesting and different. I think they were trying to make it like a sort of sex appeal simple at this point. But, you know, it's this backstage stuff. But, yeah, it's kind of, um, I kind of like the dynamic between Eddie Guerrero and kind of China. Um, It was kind of like an awkward kind of like, like Eddie Guerrero romantic kind of China. Just, just like just loving the kind of attention like anyone would. I would. Like kind of like you know, just someone just like you know, pampering her, loving her, you know, saying she's amazing. Like you know, just, some people like that, and that's nice. It was nice no, it was a nice little. I, I brought out a bit more character from China. This kind of feud as well, especially with Eddie Grail and kind of that kind of stuff. Because for a lot of it, she was kind of like the kind of muscle. You know, like we had the stuff with Jericho, but this kind of feud really was kind of what you think of Eddie Grail remembering in this era. it's kind of cool. But um, yeah. I think what the problem is Matt... Oh, I just wish there was more of SA Rios. I think he's one of those guys that again, they put him in light heavyweight division but it's like he was more of a the guy that they did like he was kind of like he had the like the you know like the when I keep saying you can you'd be good talker and you could be good in the ring. You can have one or the other but you can't have both. If you have if you have both you're great. If you have neither you're screwed. Um with this with him he's like kind of a situation of like he had the ability to win, but just a character. It didn't really have a character. It was more of just like this L- Hispanic kind of high-flyer type thing. That That's great, but it means he's limited what kind of stuff they can really do with him, especially when we're talking about SmackDown, kind of all like Raw and kind of WWF. At this point, was kind of tatered towards, kind of more character-based. They kind of missed that, but I think if it was a different era, a different time, when it was more wrestling-based, kind of, you know... Um, Focused, I think he. If I don't know if he, if he have stayed in, um, when right about SmackDown during the Paul Heyman, I think he would have flourished. But I don't know what happened to him. It's kind of sad. I might look him up after this recording. But yeah, definitely look up let's say Real. So he had some good matches during the idea. Um, kind of miss, yeah, you know, it's kind of missing. But yeah, I will give it three out of five. Started off slow, but uh, near the end it got some crazy spots, man. It's really cool. So I enjoy watching it. I mean, that's what I love about this kind of paper at the moment. Talking about it, it's like it's a situation of like. Just when you think... Um, you've got the ones that everyone remember, but then you've like, got hidden gems. D Malenko. You've got D Malenko and kind of Scott Jehoi. You had the kind of this match here between uh, kind of... Um, obviously, European Championships kind of was on the back burner at this era. Sadly, probably more prominent in the late mid, mid to late 90s, but sadly in 2000s and later on, it just became a bit of a back burner. Kind of sucky, but um, yeah. So, it was good. So... I just wish, yeah, it's one of those things that, you know, that's why I like it, I'm enjoying this preview a lot. So, yeah, obviously we're almost there, we've got two more matches to talk about. Obviously we talk about, uh, before we get into the main event, we've got this really great match between the Intercontinental Champion Chris Benoit and Chris Jericho, and he's putting, Chris Benoit's putting his title on the line in a basically kind of rematch from WrestleMania 2000, it was Triple Threat. Um basically it's like where both um was it Benoit won the Intercontinental tile and obviously Chris Jericho won the European title but then got screwed uh by China. They kind of they didn't we didn't really resolve for maybe a week and they didn't care. <laughs> it's kind of maybe it's the point. But yeah. So then we kind of we focused on I think Benoit refocused his thoughts. He's having a good like run with like a couple of wins on TV. Um, but yeah, it looks like uh, probably like as a favour from Jericho, uh, from like Triple H. I think it's obviously um, with the kind of um, terrible kind of um, things that Chris Joker was saying to Stephanie McMahon. So I guess a bet as Benoit and Stu kind of relate- loosely related with the Radicals, kind of probably try and take him out. And obviously former champion all, he's um, probably got a title rematch. But again, this is just an excuse to put these two together. I mean, this is right about the time they're properly building up Benoit as the kind of Benoit that we know and did love before. Obviously we know what he did. But um, yeah, it's kind of a situation as he's work. Yeah, it's one of his things. It's I think this was around about the time they're try and big up, and it was awesome. So and then obviously Jericho again was again finding his feet, and they really did proven. obviously the old thing where he was it was, it was in the WrestleMania 2000 poster, but then he wasn't. And then kind of having like this is around about the time I think he's always said he's kind of um, working up, like workhorse, like you know working his way up, people respecting him. He's only been in the company for a couple of months at this point. So he's still working his way up the card. Obviously, we know how um, it all ended um, in 2001. So it, it's just that like he'd he done the work. And this was the kind of thing how. This is the kind of match that made people start to realise how good Chris Jericho really is. Because he kind of proved it at WWE, but this was. This feud, and this kind of like. This one a couple of months is where he started to Oh my god, Chris Jericho is awesome. This, this, and, th- and this match didn't did help with that. Um, obviously, starting off with promos, you had interviewed Chris Benoit interviewed Marco, just talking trash about Jericho, saying he was like, it'd be his pleasure beating the living crap out of him and then Jericho being Jericho. Nothing crazy promo wise, kind of just saying how Benoit wasn't mad at him for calling him Mr. Roboto. It's Like, I think it's more than that in a feud, but it wouldn't be the worst thing. <laughs> it wouldn't be the worst thing I've seen to get a feud out of him. Uh, start a feud, but um, yeah, now obviously, in like I never pop at politicians, because when the capital, politicians are like, uh, like that too, um, that kind of stuff, it's, it's basically like, wrestling, in the capital, that's what, it's how, looking at, uh, looking at politicians back then, I guess, and the trust wasn't there, but um, yeah, but uh, what the, this is the kind of match, that I said, is like what the IC, IC title, is all about, two of the kind of, uh, a stopgap to the main title, the world title and kind of two of the workhorses, kind of great workers, gone against each other, proving why they're great. This is what the Intercontinental Championship was meant to be and what it is. And I haven't seen, and I kind of missed it. It isn't anymore. I wish it was, but it's just not what it used to be. But um, yeah, we obviously start off with some cool, like kind of just a Japanese kind of style, back and forth hits. Uh, with Jericho, give it like Jericho gonna back sloop it to the top. Obviously, I've already watched their kind of match at World War 2001 with the ladder match with. Uh, the bit with, uh, with chucking a chair in his face while he's going for the ropes, but I didn't know what that was kind of alluding to, but then obviously watching this match, it all started from this match. So that was cool. We obviously got Benoit diving through the floor, and obviously Jericho just moved that way, so basically Benoit, it's kind of awkward, because obviously he landed on his head, and we don't know what happened, it's kind of awkward, but he basically jumped for the ropes and land on nothing, so it's like... That must have hurt. Um, again, we had a cool bit with obviously Benoit hit. Was it hit a drop kick into um, into the steps? Into the steps with the steps going into the ribs of Jericho. I kind of like that. It's kind of showed the brutality of uh, Benoit. Uh, again, it's kind of situation of because obviously Chris Benoit likes pain. It's basically working on the ribs. We had obviously the superplex on the top rope. Obviously, just the woody really work on those ribs. Uh, Jericho, um, same thing with uh, when with, with, was it when Benoit went to the top? He kind of went. Yeah, when Benoit went to top, he kind of missed out of the way, because Jericho went for a springboard drop kick. Benoit basically countered it. Basically, um, again, I don't see it as much these days, but Christian done some really cool, like double power bomb, the double power bomb thing. Used to be his finisher before the wars. Jericho for the two. Um, then obviously the cripple. The, this kind of part of the match where it got really cool because you know counters, kickouts, near falls. They done it well. They just basically it was a slow like kind of technical match, but then it got really like high flying and brutal you know as he across face cross-faced by, Jer- by benoit but then jericho was able to get on his feet the crowd were totally into this match at this point it's like it's slow build it's like they were totally into that wrestling fans just love great workers and great people putting everything on the line and it's to prove this this is the few that kind of catapulted them both up the card it's beautiful uh but yeah, again obviously they both hit the finishes it was jericho put in the wars was Jericho, but um, Benoit was out to get it easy. The crowd were, again, really hot for this, but these near-full like submission finishes, they were totally into it. Yeah, we have some Jericho go for like uh, a for a forearm, Benoit ducks, and kind of, again, the ref got knocked out. It's kind of, a, they did do this spot too much in the action era. But yeah, so the referee, as you know, is like made of paper. So when he's knocked out, he's out for years, or in this case, many minutes. Uh, but yeah, obviously then it all, stale for the title. Kind of Jericho obviously used it, I think, at Royal Rumble when he's kind of used the title uh, to try and get the cheat win. But Benoit going to grab the title. He's going to eat any nailed kind of Jericho in the head. Uh, Benoit tried to, work, you know, wake up the ref. Um, he kind of covered. But then, uh, but then obviously he was back to cover and Jericho got up. Uh, just got up for the two. Uh, Benoit went for the suplex on the title. Uh, but it didn't work and obviously went to the top. He's going to hit his headbutt. Uh, I think the ref is kind of too dazed at this point. Jericho basically grabbed the belt, and he going to basically—he went for the headbutt. It's a great picture if we really see it. It's like he went—he went for the headbutt, and then Jericho basically he put the title in a position where basically Benoit landed on straight on the title. And the referee saw it, um, so it ended in disqualification, and Benoit. Um, won the match um, obviously normally you'll be a bit annoyed like ah oh, DQ not DQ but in this case it worked because obviously Jericho basically lost it at the end uh, Tim White of all people and basically hit Walls of Jericho again it kind of like st- it st- st- stared up the kind of Jericho might turn heel at this point it w- was the one about this time he turned heel but um, yeah, I can understand the frustration. But on the flip side, he did freaking basically. He used the title; the ref saw it, and while well, got the uh, got the lucky win. But normally, a DQ thing would be a finish. But it was entertaining enough, and it was actually quite clever. Um, he got away with it a while umble so he can't get away with it again. But did you and this like kind of fused, Yeah, I quite likely. U- unique wave u- using the title as a way to end the match. It was the right call, but Jericho was just really frustrated because, you know, he got caught and he was frustrated, but it kind of ended in a really good technical match. Again, the the fans are loving this match. Good counters, great kind of spots. Uh, Both wrestlers showing how great they are. How, like, you know, we're talking about, like, we all look at Benoit. Maybe the character, I mean, Benoit, not the man. But when it comes to his in-wing ability, this was running about time he was proving what a great work, work, how great he was, and how good he was in the ring, and Jericho was doing the same, so he got two hungry kind of upstarts trying to prove how good they are, and give them, how long did they give them, like 15 minutes, the same thing, 15 minutes to do what they do, and basically prove how, you know, just the spot just before the main event, and just basically went for it, and they freaking knocked it out of the park, yeah, and it's, it's a great match. I mean, I suggest you watch it. I mean, just watch this whole feud between Benoit and Jericho. I and mean, obviously, I've think for my Jericho uh, best match series, I did watch their World One Ball Ladder match at 2001. That's big, zero one one of the greatest ladder matches of all time. And it's so good. It's kind of I don't want to say it's forgotten, but it's, it's amazing. So yeah, but yeah, definitely check both of those matches out because I definitely check this one out as well, if you can. But yeah, it was great. I gave it a 3 out of 5, but then when I think watching it back, and we talking about now, I'm going to give it a 4. It's it's brilliant. It's, it's, it's the kind of sport that the Intercontinental Championship should be, and I 100% believe it's the place that um, it should be, and it's proven it is worth it. 15 minutes of just these two guys going for it. Great counters, great stuff. Awesome match. Definitely check it out. So, And it builds up to what we want to talk about now we've got there. We're into the main events of this show and kind of the thing that kind of everyone was kind of talking about and kind of bigging up um, why people are kind of watching this show is the kind of hook that uh, returning Stone Cold Steve Austin is returning to help out The Rock to even up the odds with Triple H having Stephanie McMahon, husband, at this point it was Kayfabe it was um, in, in Storyline Husband um, and um, Vince Mann that turned on The Rock obviously at WrestleMania 2000 that's kind of one at the point, time was the worst WrestleMania main event of all, all time obviously some have topped that over the years but at this time it was considered one of the worst but yes so obviously it was all set up and obviously still called Steve Austin Linda McMahon wanted to even the odds and obviously we just came off one of the single most famous kind of smackdowns ever with Stone Cold... The Rock saying... Stone Cold Steve Austin... Is here... And the whole night... Of them trying to find him... And with the famous... Thing with... Um, Stone Cold Steve Austin... Construction... Blowing up... The DX Express... In some of the most... Awesome stuff... So... It's one of those things... Where basically... Um... I don't think... Austin's back yet... In the sense of in-ring... Apparently it was supposed to be back... For West Bay 2000... Apparently... But it was... Um... It wasn't cleared... Um... So they kind of teased it for the night that basically like, um I think Vince McMahon was kind of coming off that, you know, Steve Austin has been delayed. So he won't be here tonight. So um it's probably what dirty tactics they were trying to do to make sure he would not turn up. Um But yeah, obviously the build up to this is kind of build of kind of the rock. Um Obviously at WrestleMania 2000, the rock was screwed by Vince McMahon, uh, kind of the feud with Vince McMahon rejoining the kind of, McMahon helps me faction error, kind of breed new life to it. Uh, but yeah, but obviously the the Rock, um, the kind of first episode of Raw after WrestleMania, the Rock kind of uh, was it uh, won the right to face obviously uh, to face Triple H's championship a backlash, but the faction made stipulations that the title match that would give Triple H's full advantage basically, and Vince and Stephanie would be allowed to be at ringside the match with Shane being the best guest referee. Yeah, but basically it's a situation where they kind of done everything they can to make sure he didn't win the title. They put him in a title match uh, where he won it, and he, got, and he basically um, got the title shot, as you expect. It's, it's typical great storytelling where it's like, popular guy put all the odds against it stacked against him, and he still gets to win. Obviously, in addition to this, the old a faction with obviously El, the, El Hebner was in a feud, feud after the kind of situation where he kind of uh, took, took the count for when the Jericho... Won the title against um, Triple H in a random thing that they kind of struck from the record points. You don't talk about that. But, um, yeah, as I said before, it's kind of a Linda McMahon kind of stepping in, saying, with well, it's bullcrap. Um, basically, said Stone Cold Steve Austin will be in the corner, basically, um, The Rock. And the whole thing was, as we just said, with the whole famous kind of smackdown, the last one before. Um, basically, came back for six first first appearance in six months and basically put a crane on D-Express. And he exploded in one of the most iconic things you'll ever see. It's awesome. So, yeah. It was basically one of those things where it's just the build-up. It's one of the stories that just such a good build-up. I can't remember last time I watched the wrestling feud to have this kind of great build-up. Um, you could say maybe AEW this year, maybe WWE NXT maybe. But nothing beats up to the kind of, you know, Triple H was on fire as the heel in, in 2000 and kind of The Rock. They were lucky with Stone Cold Steve Austin out that kind of... They had the Rock. They had the Rock, and he was awesome as well. He was on fire as well. I didn't see him. watching up to this match. The Rock hasn't had a bad promo. He's been on fire at this point. He's just, it's even like Triple H is like this is his year as a heel, but the Rock basically took full advantage of being the guy. But um, yeah, and basically that like, the pretty much like, first half of this match was kind of a situation where like, Austin still didn't turn up. No one knew who he was, so most of the match they were kind of talking about that. And basically, it's, basically at the moment it's going to be a three or four on one. With a crooked breath, two people on the side, uh, two people on the outside, and basically Triple H could do whatever every once. But, um, yeah, it was a basic situation where The Rock was basically getting his ass handed to him. Basically, Triple H was in complete control, um, getting near... Was it trying to get, uh, end it quickly with near falls, but The Rock kept kicking out, um, even though it was it shame was doing faster counts, as you expect from a crooked breath. They were basically doing everything to get the win and get the fast cut as quickly as possible. You had like a double clothesline kind of spot where both guys were on the match. Shane wasn't looking, and bas- basically, the old kind of the ref was mysteriously taking too long, like distracted, on this case, in purpose. And it's basically like Vincent Mann kind of beating the hell out of him, uh, basically taking advantage of the ref not seeing it. Um, and a lot of the Saints really cool line was so Austin was there, there was going to happen, uh, but it was kicked kicked out of another fast count, and basically, the whole crowd were like. Re- it, this is why this match was re- was really good in the sense that if they really wanted Austin to so tease it out as much as possible, he gets attacked, fast count, but everything against him. the Rock Stew stays in it. But events, how long could he take? How long could he last? It's so cool, such good stuff here. Obviously, you had the bit where, you know, the rocks send Hunter over the top for the floor, and then back to wing ring, uh, and, these, and then we get back to the wing with a knee smash by, uh, was it Triple H? It comes back with that DDT, but then Shane didn't count. They kind of, like, I don't know if it was like Survivor Series, was it a couple of years ago, from the year prior? Obviously, Shane done the thing, was it Stone Cold or something, where he was supposed to do the pin. He refused to um, do the count. Um so basically it's like you just like, oh for God's sake, he's got how the hell is the watch gonna get back into this, you know, yeah. And then he yeah, had obviously and after this it was just a constant beat down. You know, Hunter still doing with the steps. Uh we had that kind of like as always the Spanish announce table, poor Spanish announce table, always gets taken out. Um the rock hits a low blow on, on Hunter when he on top of the table. And then Shane got uh, and then Shane got onto the table. And then you've got you sitting there with it's one of the most awesome spots you ever see when you've got the rock hitting a rock bottom on both Triple H and Shane. So the ref's out. So we've got no ref and basically Shane's out. It was a huge move, obviously it's, the table spot's been done to death at this point. In this area as well as in general. Well I think it's every kind of big match, there's always a table spot at some point. But it's too... cut when he done it right, it would like you know, whether well, we're big enough that the rock's basically getting he's getting he's getting screwed a amount of time before he loses. Uh, yeah, so the, so the cricket, that's one person out, so Shane's out, and um, we've got Vince, there was a shot look on his face, again, Vince, is Vince, great in this era. And then we get back to the ring, and obviously you've got Vince kind of tacking the rock from behind, and um, then they went quite after him, but basically Triple H uh, Triple H got back up and hit the low blow, and then now the pedigree on, on the rock Um should have been over. Basically, no ref because obviously the rock took him out. Basically, it's like the odds are too stacked against him. It's basically Attitude Era cluster fucking than you've ever seen. It's basically what you expect. It works when it works well. It works well, and when it doesn't work well, where's the main of two thousand? It's horrible. It's just such rubbish. But in this case, it works brilliantly. Here you got was it Vince Saban trying to just basically Vince Shane's out, so sort they're of trying to use all these like obviously Pat Patterson. You rest in peace, Pat Patterson. Um, And um, J.L. Briscoe kind of like his goons uh, coming out to do, like, Gouda Pin, but, you know, The Rock kicks out of two, so it's like, again, they're trying everything in the picture, but just can't beat The Rock. Then it's like Pat Patterson, you know, Briscoe attacking The Rock, then you've got kind of Triple H coming back, doing the same. It's basically a three-on-one, or like a four-on-one mugging at this point. It's getting ridiculous. Vince gets the chair. He, nail, he nails the Rockwood head, so like, you know, like he did at WrestleMania the 2000. Then you got, then you got Vince fell over after he hit him, because he put so much, like, you know, um, so much kind of, like, talk into it. Uh, again, it's like a situation after this point, you were, like, waiting for it. You were waiting for it, like, okay, this moment. No, this moment you were like because you because you, the whole match you were like you know austin's going to be there at some point they wouldn't tease it and then not have him turn up you're waiting for it. you were waiting for it and i think they really milked the hell out of it just when you thought the obvious moments when he would come out and just when you thought oh my god he might not come out and then boom you know the glass smashes and then stone cold steve austin comes out and like you know i said he would have done it earlier but again it teasing the hell out of it I would do it it's like you want someone to be there so much and you wait right to the last possible minute you can do it you do it and that's what he did and he got Austin walking down not looking too great I I think it might have been a bit too soon I think he's still had a knee injury he's walking a bit slower than he would be you basically just have Austin walking down with a chair in his hand um he looked at, he looked a uh yeah he looked like he just came out of like you know neck surgery so he looked a bit you know a little weighted and all that guy kind of, the crowd don't care anyway comes up he sits in a chair um was it a chair to uh, triple h a chair to patterson a chair to briscoe into the ring and then kind of austin hits the chair on the head of shane and then hits the chair basically it's a constant smash austin comes out clean's house the crowd is basically losing their minds at this point. But <laughs> someone react to anything. It was amazing. It's, it's one of the main reasons why actually it was so good. You know, because they, they they really milked like the moments felt special. And when they happened, they happened. I mean, Austin's one of the reasons because of that. Uh, but yeah, and obviously, they didn't mess around. You got Austin basically. Um, and then you got, what was it, taking everyone out. And then obviously, Hunter cuts back in the ring. And Austin now is him with a chair shot as well. Uh, but yeah, and obviously there's Austin, just basically then, he just comes out, does it, it's like, it's like a thing, comes out, cleans house, even the odds, he walks out, he's done his job, he's done his job as, um, kind of helping out The Rock, uh, but yeah, and then obviously Austin left, and with everyone just like, wow, there's like shock at this point, then Linda McMahon walks down, and aside with the, um, fire, recently fired, El Hebner, um, who is, everybody was fired, Linda McMahon shoving her own daughter down, obviously they had that really shocking moment building in with kind of um, Stephanie slapping um, her own mother and then kind of then kind of her mother doing the same thing to her um, that's kind of like strange situation the way they build up with kind of like Shane was it Triple H was gonna hit like a pedigree on Linda building up into this match and then kind of like shaving Shane's like what are you doing man I like the kind of nuance where it's just like he's not even Shane's like mate I'm a dick but you don't do that to my mother I kind of like the nuances but anyway but Kind of sidetracking here. We're talking a lot here. I'm sorry, sorry. Um, but yeah, for, we're near the end of the match anyway. So you know, Linda shoved tri- uh, was it Steffy man down, and obviously then The Rock nailed uh, The Rock down to Hunter with the Spine Buster and then hit the People's Elbow. El Hefner comes into the ring, one, two, and then three, and it's like, and the crowd went nuts. You're like, finally, Triple H has been defeated. The Rock has finally won. The WWF Championship. Looking at the time, this was only 19, 20 minutes. It's like 20 minutes of just pure storytelling perfection here. It's just so good. You had the constant build-up. You had the kind of situation where the odds are stats against you. They kept building up that towel on can Austin, uh, the rock last. You had, obviously, like, you know, cheating, the referee, slow counts, everything. The comeback was the right time they teased that thing with Austin coming out as much as humanly possible and uh, at first I was thinking okay it could have been earlier but any time he came out the crowd would have just waited for it so why not tease it out when Austin came out done what Austin does best he looks a bit out but you done what you need to do come out clean house with chair shots everyone's out does his job go home and a nice little um, pettance for kind of a, a build up of obviously Neil Hebden stuff being fired he gets his kind of conuppance and kind of you know his redemption of kind of um, sticking it to Triple H after all those years, all those months of kind of being berated by him. Obviously, it still goes on, but going into it, but yeah, got the win. Just a great moment. I remember coming the last time what's the pay view, like The Rock. it was supposed to be. It would have been nice to be in a WrestleMania, but The Rock finally, and I say that finally, became the WWF champion, and it was a great moment. Uh, you had you had a bit where near the end, where you got Austin coming back into the ring driving driving his Stone Cold um, truck, <laughs> a trolley in the kind of um, DX Express, kind of like stick it to Triple H, it's kind of funny. Um, yeah, and then we had a great moment near the end where you got Austin, had a beer, toasting The Rock, uh, cleanse your beer, and to end the show in a very, very great way. That kind of, And also it kind of teases, kind of like when The Rock, uh, with Stone Cold Steve Austin comes back, he's, we're friends today, but uh, he's going after that title, that we all know where that story went. But yeah, ended... Great, great, great show! Great show. I mean, I don't think people underestimate the ability of uh, a main event that kind of properly delivers. Some shows you're going to have a situation where like some of the matches are quite, some of them were quite good, like you got like goods to kind of like great. But in this case, we had two or three great, like really good matchups, like in a sense of like pure wrestling standpoint. But I think why this is remembered some as one of the greats, uh, best pay for your time. It's because the main ev- they build up this main event and storyline for months and months and months, and the payoff is so satisfying when you actually you give the people what they want. People wanted The Rock to win, and they wanted Triple H to just—it was such a good heel, like just get our tire. I wants him to get Konnepence, and he did. And it's just like it's a perfect storm. It's like they did this so well, where it just they built. They build up a storyline, you get invested, and they pay it off, and it feels so satisfying. That's why The Archidale was so loved. Because it just had awesome moments and it had good payoffs and it had great characters. That's why everyone loved it. I mean, this is a perfect example of why The Archidale was so great. You yeah, obviously had The Rock, was good at playing The Sympathetic Face. You had the kind of trip, uh, Triple H was a great heel Vince McMahon was, being, was so good at being hated You hated these people, the heels They weren't cool heels, they were you know, like, screw you heels You know, proper heels And then when the good guy wins, it's just a great feeling It's a great feeling, it's like, you can watch it back And it's just, it's so satisfying to rest. You don't get it as much as you used to Where it's just, you, you build up all this stuff And you you build it up And you build it up, and then The good guy wins in the end No, sw- no swerves no bullshit. get the people what they want. They wanted the work to win the WWE Championship. They built up him getting screwed over and over and over again. And he finally goes against the odds. And he finally wins. And it's just so satisfying. And especially how popular the Rock was at that point. It was just so cool. And it ended a great pay-per-view. I mean, everyone keep everyone kept telling me how great this pay-per-view was. And it's they weren't underestimating. It's really good. I mean you've got was come kind of like good matches in the sense of the tag team title match it was was quite decent you add the kind of um, kind of uh, tna kind of the you know the Dudley boys kind of maybe not the match but they kind of got the satisfying thing with twists going for the table yes obviously and then you had that great match otherwise appreciate a match with dean lincoln and scott holy for like you know for the like heavyweight championship probably one of the better matches they ever did that was great um, even even the matches that like the apa kind of thing was a bit and uh, Big Boss Man and Bill, Bill Buchanan was kind of a bit of a dud for me. But the hardcore match still had some cool spots that were kind of enough to get you and stayed. Big Show was kind of, was what mean one cup of tea, but it was kind of funny. Uh, yeah, obviously, Eddie Guerrero, S.O. Rios, they were given a bit more time, but, and obviously, but again, at the near the end, it got really good, so that was a pretty solid match. But if I'm going to sit there, the two, three of the best matches on this card are Dima Lin and Scott Ejohori, Chris Benoit and Chris Jericho for the Intercontinental title, and the main event and we're not talking about good it was really good <laughs> great and met, and when you got a main event that delivers in the way that this main event did with the rock and triple h it bumps up any score um i've given this i've given most of the shows over eights. i think eights or nines i gave this show an eight at ten i'm tempted to give it nine because this i'm tempted to bump it up because it's so satisfying <laughs> So satisfying. I think one or two of the matches were a bit, like, dud. But if you go by like that, but it's like two bad matches and the rest of them are pretty damn good. I haven't seen a pay-per-view this good in a long time. So, like, solid back-to-front. Probably maybe ABAW, but that's kind of... I don't really want to get into that. But, yeah, it's like... I've seen a couple, like, the Royal Rumble was good. Uh, No Way Out was pretty similar in the sense of quality-wise. Consistent quality. Um, WrestleMania, kind of, less we talk about that, the better. (laughs) But, yeah, this is awesome awesome definitely check out backlash i'm so glad that i can't believe this is the first time i've actually watched it um shame on me but this is what this whole podcast is all about Um kind of excu- the made it up for an excuse for me to go back and watch all these great pay-per-views of the past or like in this say sort of um see what the fuss is about about year 2000 and i haven't been disappointed i have mean, i really enjoying it and um yeah i've um, i've got to be honest i as much as i could have talked about this pay for you earlier i'm so glad that it's the last pay for am going to talking about 2020 and on a high it's been a rubbish year so if i'm gonna give i was gonna give it an eight but now i'm gonna bump up to a nine because i meant it was so good so satisfying so i'm gonna give it a nine out of ten i mean you could say ten out of ten but i'll give nine out of ten just could not know, be safe so yeah so that's the end of my view of wf backlash 2000 uh yep yeah, hope you enjoyed I always enjoy looking at these pay views. Um, sorry I've been a bit, you know, haven't done as many. My plan was to get all these done by the end of the year. But, you know, as as you can probably guess with the pandemic, plans have gone out the window this year. So, yeah, hope you've enjoyed listening to this. Hopefully it'd be a nice little meet, uh, respite for you, you know, going into May New Year, something to listen to going in to the start of 2021. Um, yeah, when it comes to this, I will be back hopefully soon. I'm not going to put a timetable on it because it's kind of hard to do in this in pandemic era. But, um, yeah, I'll try to make this kind of like, we're definitely back in January, definitely, by far. I'll put like, I'll come back and I'll try and see if I can hit the ball rolling in 2021. Um, I think uh, the next pay-per-view I'm going to look at is probably Insurrection 2000. Um, it's one, one of two kind of, one's UK-based kind of pay-per-views that, again, I really miss. So it'll be interesting to actually talk about, you know, we we can sit there, and talk about you know the match, the, the pay view, and us talk about um, how they kind of done U, um, UK events back in the day. So it'd be t- interesting to talk about that. So yeah, hope you've enjoyed. Um, yeah, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can go on Stuart ninety um, one. Also, if you want to follow kind of like the Josh U.S. podcast and other stuff I do with Josh uh, Plummer, go on uh, Josh and Stu Pod on our Twitter. Definitely check out. Um, we're doing a lot of like other like programs on that. So definitely check that out. Um, Yeah, I've got a lot of one or two really big plans coming into when it comes to twenty twenty one for this podcast, for other projects or wrestling uh, projects I want to do. So it's going to be um, as always. I've got always got ideas. I don't think I'll ever run out of ideas. But um, yeah. So yeah, we'll be back. Obviously, at some point for Insurrection, should be fun. Um, I I'll be back personally when it comes to podcasting with. Um, if you just do wrestling podcasts we're doing our kind of jsp kind of end of the year awards kind of situation look at all the great matches great wrestlers best moments it's gonna be fun so check that in the next couple of days uh that'll be out before the end of 2020 um anyway but enough of me rambling on i think you've listened to me for nearly two hours now obviously i might put that down but yes hope you've enjoyed i've enjoyed talking about the payview definitely check out backlash it's so cool so awesome! If you want to know what defines why everyone loves you, actually, watch this payview, and you will not be disappointed, especially in the main event. So check that out. I'll be back soon. Hope you've enjoyed. Have an awesome what's left of 2020, and I'll hopefully see you in tw- see you on the other side of 2021. So until then, have an awesome day, and see you guys later. See everyone. Bye.